Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, October 21st. It's time for another episode of Trucking Technology and Efficiency. I've got Joel Morrow here with me, and we might be hearing from John today. He's actually in Italy. Uh, we're going to try another international connection today, maybe. John said if he gets some time, uh, he'll try to join us. So we will uh, we will see. I actually have a call coming in now that looks like that might be him. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I really don't. I have a couple things today, but I think what I'm going to do is just bring Joel in and we'll get started and see what happens today. Joel, welcome back. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Where are you today? I'm sitting at home, actually, today. I uh, finally got everything lined up on the truck. I had a last-second last issue with my ELD provider, and I had to switch companies and so I've been scrambling to get that done, but I have a uh, I have a load set up for Florida. It looks like leaving Monday, so I'm going to get my first uh, my first solo long long haul go. trip. So that's so, that's exciting. Yeah, and Absolutely. Florida that's not a bad gig. Yeah, I'm taking some garage doors down to the Fort Meyer area, actually. So oh, I'm bet. assuming they're going to need a whole lot of. <laughs> I was just going to say, so. I'll bet uh, you know. <laughs> You know, we always have an imbalance of freight in Florida. It's been that way forever. They consume a lot of stuff. They don't really produce a whole lot other than, you know, agriculture, really. So there's always been that imbalance. That's why, you know, rates are so screwy coming out of there. Uh, I can't imagine how much Mm -hmm. that hurricane has even made that worse. Yeah, yeah, it's. You know, the rate's good enough where you can go in and I could yeah. come all the way home empty if I need Exactly. To. But, yeah. <laughs> but there's there's actually actually some stuff uh actually some stuff coming out. It doesn't go directly home, which, you know, if I have to grab something going somewhere else, not a big deal. But uh I saw a load pop up on the board coming out of actually the Tampa area going out towards Denver that didn't look too bad. So oh, I don't know. Right. We'll see once I no, get well, down there. Um well it just I'll play the board and see what happens. Yeah. Well, you know what you're doing, but it's kind of funny. Actually, you're leaving from Florida, which is notorious for no freight, going to Denver, which is notorious for no freight. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Now, I've got some things I got to do out that way anyway, so I thought I could maybe kill two birds with one stone. So, yeah. uh, Hey, we've actually got John over in Italy, so we're going to bring him in. John. Awesome. Welcome. Hey, guys. Hey, there. Oh, glad to be here. Nice. Yeah. I'm good. This is this is pretty cool. Oh, okay, so, uh, cool. I'm a- having a good time. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I just got here yesterday, but uh, you know it was quite a quite an ordeal getting here. The plane was delayed. A bunch of our guys missed their connections, so we piled a bunch of people into the car that I rented, which was small. Uh, but uh, got got up here to Bologna last night, and I've just got to the circuit right now. Where the uh, it's called Imola, Imola, but the circuit the Autodromo. Enzo Dino Ferrari, which is uh, named after the Ferraris. It's a a really cool place. There you go. Unbelievable. Yeah, Lisa told me you were in Bologna eating mortadella. (laughs) Exactly, I was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to sample all the cured meats while I'm here because they are so different than the shit we get at home. Oh, It's it's unreal. It's... uh, 
Yeah. You, you walk into a little market and the stuff's hanging from the ceiling and they pull it down and slice it for you. Oh. It's, it's amazing. Oh. And the smell and the, it, it's just uh, everything. I even ate pizza. Like, I'm, I'm way off the wagon diet-wise right now, but I, I'm, you, for some reason I don't think it's hurting me. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> as much as I, pr- I, I might try it if I went there. I, I have heard from a lot of people who have been grain-free for years that, you know, they decide they're over in Europe and they'll just give it a shot anyway. Nowhere near the same reaction they get when they eat it here. Zero. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't feel bad last night or this morning. Yeah. yeah if I, I have some pizza at home, I wake up. I wake up the next morning with what's the equivalent of a hangover. I, re- it, I feel like I, I feel like I. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've had a lot of people say when they if they go over to Europe and they eat wheat over there, they don't get that reaction. Yeah, and and you'll notice the people over here are a lot smaller than us. It's unreal. Like, like there are no fat people here. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, but look look around at the food. Like you said, you walk into a tiny little shop and they got this amazing charcuterie hanging from the ceiling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's got to be just the cleanliness of it, shall we say. I think they eat so much cleaner than we do. It, it, and, you know, fewer seed oils, if any. So you, you look at the villains in our diet at home and uh, you, you might want to rethink some of the stuff we've been doing, maybe. Yeah. And, and the grains yeah. probably aren't as highly refined and, you know, it's just not... And even sweet stuff isn't as sweet. Like it's just not, you know. <laughs> right. It's all recalibrated. Yeah. At home. Yeah. yeah. So. And and it's all it's nothing is ultra processed. I mean, it, it's all just basic food. And it's a, a lot local, right? Yeah. They deal with local farmers, local local, you know. Yep. You know, butcher shops and houses that make that stuff, and all the little shops, and yeah. So it, it's just. It's just different. I mean, it smells different. It tastes different. It's just different. Yeah. I don't know how to, how to describe it beyond that. You know, and we, uh, the trucks, you know, I, I haven't, I got to go on about trucks. I'm just turning my, my little kid truck geek here. Uh, you know, we had to drive from, I had always planned on driving from Rome to here. So I'm going to stay for an extra, extra five days after this event's over and head down south. I'm, I'm up in Bologna now, but I'm going to go down to, uh, a little town called Garoppoli, where my mom's family's from, when this is over, and try to try to find some answers. Hey, so, hey, John, stay you know, always, stay close yeah. to your phone. You're fading just a little bit. Oh, I'm on I'm on earbuds right now. Maybe some there was a truck just went by. Might have grabbed my signal. signal. Oh, is that better? Uh, yeah, it's a little better. Every now and then, I don't know if you're turning your head or, or something, but it, it your volume goes down a little bit. Okay. Um, it could be I'm on the internet too, so we're 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 internet slash yeah, I'm in the paddock here we're really setting up at the moment. Uh, but the ride from Rome to here on the Autostrada, the trucks are so freaking cool. <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you can see the guys who who are into them. Yeah. I mean they tinker with their trucks, but when they tinker with trucks over here, they put more aero shit on them. Yeah, you know, right, they've got these cool right. air dams and they've got skirting and they've got it all sealed up super tight. And the gap between trailers and, and trucks and, 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 and the cab, I, the biggest one I've seen so far has been about 18 inches. And they oh. round the front of the trailers, and, and the cabs can cave, and it all fits together like it should. Yeah. Yeah. I, it is pretty incredible. And it, instead, over here, we, we when we trick out our trucks, we do the opposite. How many things can we, <laughs> we hang them on them to yeah. grab wind? Yeah. As long as <laughs> if it's chrome, we'll put it on the truck, right? Oh, look, it's chrome. <laughs> Stick it on the truck. <laughs> so, 
so I've got to get, get a picture of some tankers. Even their tankers have a lot of arrow aids on them. So like the tankers will have these uh, almost like an outer, like a, like a skin, like they like like a barge board we call on the side of a race car. So they have a, they have a race portion that's not quite as round as the tank that goes the full length of it, but it doesn't make it completely square either. And it's drawn up super close to the cab, and then everything around the walkways on the side and so forth, it's all sealed up. It's all it's all tricked out. And they've got uh, the skirting on the sides, and everything is sealed right up nice and tight. And even the tankers are aerodynamic here. Yeah. Back in the back in the early 2000s, I tried to get one of those European cab overs over here. It's ab- almost impossible. Uh, there was even a dealer in Orlando that had one. I think it... I remember what model it was. It may have had something to do with Mac. I don't remember. And those, all those companies have changed names and bought each other so many times. But a dealer had one, and I just, I just loved that thing. I crawled all over it. Couldn't take it out and drive it. I don't even remember what the deal with it was. But I was pretty fascinated with their cab overs. I'll get some pictures. I'll put some pictures up on, uh, on, on the. Uh, uh, hey, John. Yep. Yeah, get me a picture of the front tire setup on them. Oh, uh, they're all big and fat like yours. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. I, I was just yeah. wanting to see how bi- <laughs> how big and what what ratio aspect ratio and stuff they're running. So yeah, I'll get some. Yeah. So all the Ferrari trucks are Ivecos, which is a, which is a Fiat product, and there's a ton of them in the pattern mm-hmm. right now. I'll, yeah. I'll get you some pictures uh, today. All right, today. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, going back to your uh, but, charcuterie, we had a. Um, we had a shop here in Portland where two guys went over and trained in Italy and Spain on that. And then they came back and set up their shop just like it would be over there. And they did something that here is almost unheard of anywhere in the States. And they do it all the time. You walk into their shop, not only do they have, you know, the curing meats hanging in places right behind the counter, they have an entire pig they opened up an yep. entire pig and they cure it. it. It's whole and it's big and they hang it up behind the counter for like a year. And then when that one's done, you know, they pull that one down and you can walk in and they'll slice meat right off of it. And they put another one up there. That's great. That's just awesome. So I walked into the shop this morning. We, we It's 5.11 here p.m. And uh, so we didn't get into the track until about 10 minutes ago, or half an hour ago. We weren't supposed to be here till five, uh, but we got in a little bit early. The, uh, there were other events on track today, and they've been all until they were done. So uh, had all morning to walk around. We're staying in Bologna, which is about uh, I don't know, 40 kilometers from here, 25 miles. And so all the little shops there and Bologna is not a big city. It's small, but it's, it's, it's neat, you know, compact like everything is here. And there were the open markets and everything just opened this morning. It's been a nice walk and uh, went into a little meat store and you would have loved, they had every kind of organ meat you could imagine fresh cut right there. Uh, they even had, again, this is probably going to grow some people out, but it's a thing here. Uh, horse heart. Really? They had horse heart. Uh, yeah, so they, you know, when, when, when horses are done, they I guess they eat them here. Or bits and pieces of them anyway. I don't see why so, not. <laughs> and so, so they had all sorts of hearts, you know, kidneys. Uh, they had all, all sorts of, you know, different different livers and so forth. And it was commonplace. It wasn't like it was some specialty store. It was it was, it was part of the, of the butcher shop. Yeah. There, there's another big difference in their diet then. Yeah, they, they, eat, they eat organ meats. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. 
All right. Yeah, Sounds like it should be uh, really neat, should yeah. be an exciting trip for you. Well, I, I'm not sure that I'll make next week. I'm sorry I missed the last two, but the week after, I'll still be here. I'll be here the next two Fridays as oh, well. Nice. The following Friday, uh, I'm definitely free. That's that's my week I'm taking off. So I'll I'll, I'll have a full report uh, two weeks from today for sure on everything. Good. And like I said, I'll try to put some pictures up tonight. Yeah, that'll but be the, fun. Uh, the trucks. I, I couldn't get over the the other thing they like the mod they put lights on and you know everybody you know Americans like to put flags on everything so the Italian they obviously had to be owner operators the way these trucks were dressed up but they had the red white and green lights all over their trucks it's hilarious oh wow to see them on the on the uh, Autostrada last night and these guys were all flying I mean it was they weren't going remotely <laughs> slow I I, I I was it was you know, there's not real the Autostrada doesn't really have a, a speed limit there are sections where it does but it's it's high. You know, it's really high. It's like it equates to, uh, I think it was 130K or 140K. It's like 19 some miles per hour. Yeah. And the trucks were going that fast. And they're dead stable. They, they just be, they look slick. I mean, they look really slick. But the dressed up ones are, are right. What the guys do with the lighting and stuff on them, and then couple that with the air aids that they put on them, it's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds like fun. Yeah. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. So what, um, what's diesel cost there? Uh, about seven and change. Okay. Whew. But they're used so to that. So it was, uh, yeah, so honestly, I was back, I was in, in France, not far from here. I was in southern France. I was in a town called Cruz back in 1999. And as I recall, diesel was about six bucks a gallon or the equivalent right. of that then. That's what uh, I thought. Yeah, that, that's been pretty normal for them. And right now it's close to eight. So it's, a, it's, a, it's uh, 1.8 euros per liter. So in the euro right now, it's about the same as a dollar. It's, it's like 1.1 or something. It's, it's really close. So, so, you know, eight and change maybe. Yeah. Okay. You can do the math on that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And, and that's why, in reality, they are so much ahead of us in most of those technologies because they had to be. You know, we had, they had to be, yeah. $2 fuel and they had $6 fuel. Right. Yeah. So it, that's been a philosophy on trying to get us to, to, to drive more efficient vehicles for years. Uh, Bob Lutz, the ex-president of GM, slash, he's been through every, all the big three. He wrote a really interesting article way back when the CAF standards first came out. You know, whenever the government tried putting fuel mileage regulations on the manufacturer rather than something else, right? Rather than do something else to try to get us to burn less fuel. And he said, well, that's like buying your kid smaller clothes because he's fat. So... <laughs> the, 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 that's a good analogy. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Yeah, right. that was his analogy. And then that made sense to me. And it's like, just tax the fuel and put it on the roads. Let's build better roads. The roads here are amazing. I mean, at least the highways. So the small roads are just, they're, they're, it's a zoo. Yeah, right. But the highways, the Autostrada is gorgeous. I mean, it's smooth and well-marked and bright. And yeah, it was just, just you know, interesting. It's like, hey, just, 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 you know, control the price of the fuel with taxes rather than what OPEC wants for it. And we'll, and we'll take care of it. Uh, and people drive, you know, more efficient cars because, well, the fuel costs more, so I'm driving a more efficient car. It just works that way. Yeah. So, and that's what's happened here forever. You, you know what's interesting? I just but, read a weird article this morning about the supply chain. And, you know, for a while there, it was hard to get any kind of a car. And then that kind of eased up. And But now, guess what cars are in shortage now? Uh, Specifically, no a specific group of cars that's harder to get. Small cars. Uh, electric. Uh, no, just, just small cars. 
Just small, like a Honda Civic. small cars in general. Yeah. If you want a Honda Civic, forget it. You're going to be waiting. Well, well, so Civic has grown into a big car. You have to get a Honda Fit if you want a small car. Now. Well, that's so, true too. Everything maybe all that, the car, all, all the cars have grown. Yeah, everything that used to be small is bigger now. But, um, but the, the, you know, those are still some of our smaller cars, and they're hard to get when we have gas prices through the roof. Now you can't get small cars. That's what you can't get. Yep. Right. Go figure. Yeah. yeah, they sold all of them. Yeah, yeah. That's, you probably get a really good deal on a big SUV right now. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, Joel, what else did you have? We kind of interrupted you there. Yeah. Oh, I just, just, you know, prepping the truck, getting things ready, taking care of all the final little stuff. I have spent a couple days shuttling trailers around and, uh, you know, nothing heavy, nothing on any type of grade or anything, but running just a fuzz under 12 miles a gallon shuttling trailers. I got like 800 miles worth of that. Um, so That's a good sign. Nothing to really report yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's better than my other trucks right out of the box here initially. But you know, we'll get her out on the road and get this first run under the belt, and we'll have a better idea of exactly where things stand and and how well it's doing. The other thing I did get um, had a discussion with some of the guys at Dana, and um, they are going to make me some gear sets just to have to play with so they're going to make me a 195 i have a 205 in right now and they're going to make me another 216 and so i'm going to be able to because it only takes about two and a half hours to swap that that gear set out yeah um so i'm gonna 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 be able to play with some of these ratios and really push it out to the limit also talk to one of the listeners here who has an operation up in michigan um, he has a cement bulk tank. He runs from Marquette to Alpena. Um, I was going to try and make it up there this fall before the weather got bad and that, that run stopped, but it doesn't look like I'm going to make it. Um, it's a, you know, he runs four nines. That's the axle arrangement around 120,000 pounds. I want to come up and maybe run that for a week, um, oh. in the spring when yeah. the weather breaks, uh, you know, just to kind of put the rest of the bullshit that oh these trucks can't pull any weight or you know what I mean and he also has a B train that he runs concrete block out of that I think he said it's closer to 160,000 and the facility that he leaves he has to go up a 6% grade with a stop sign at the top so this will be interesting to see with all those axles on the ground if the 6x2 could actually get it moving. I'm going to do the math on it to see what our percentage of gross combination vehicle weights on the drive um, to see if I'm even in the ballpark and have any hope in hell of getting that moving again (laughs) without just, you know, burning the tires off it, but we'll see. Um, So definitely some interesting stuff um, in the works. The truck, it will also be down at the, the TMC in Orlando in March and then I'm planning on going right from there, probably up to mid America with it as well. Oh, so, uh, um, yeah, I got a lot of stuff coming up. You know, it's possible, not sure yet. Um, something came up. It, it, we had it kind of planned, but something came up. It may change. I'm not sure yet. Um, I may be in Florida in March and then heading up to mid America from there as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So, well, if you're in the Orlando area, um, they actually don't need me at the show. So I was going to run down to my 
my brother's place in Naples and, and go fishing for. There you <laughs> for a go. Few days. Yeah. But yeah. If, if you're if you're in the Orlando area at the beginning of March, let me know and and yeah, we uh, might be. maybe think- we can. Uh, get together we're, we're kind so. of gonna be uh if we're there we'll probably be hanging out around the saint augustine area but orlando's right around the corner so sure yeah sure. all right yeah i'll have a i'll have a rental car and I, I i'll be able to move so um yeah just let me know where you're at yeah see if we can meet up someplace that sounds good you know when when we talk about you know can we pull this kind of weight or that truck's not going to pull this kind of weight have people forgotten we used to move some pretty heavy loads around with 190 horsepower (laughs) i mean it's it's possible it wasn't fun (laughs) but we did it you know (laughs) yeah yeah i have i have no doubt the truck has the power and the gearing to do it my only concern would be the 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 traction starting that with that many axles on the ground. Right. So yeah, a lot of but resistance. Yeah, I, I think we're going to do very well. We're going to do very well. I think with the, uh, with the, uh, bulk tank. So he's got some six NZ cats running it right now. Um, and he said on that round and it's loaded one way, empty the other. Um, he said the six NZ cats come in that, you know, four and a half mile gallon range. He also has a 16-liter Detroit. He said that he spec'd 18-speed um, manual, 390 rears. It's doing in the low fives. The cats have 18 speeds with four tens, and I'm going to roll in there with a 14-speed with a 205. We'll see how this yeah. we'll see how this works. But you know, keep in mind, I've got the reduction to start this stuff with no problem. I've got more than enough reduction and um if i run an underdrive so what i can run at highway speed without getting crazy on piston speed or rpm so yeah. um i'll actually yeah. i'll actually have torque multiplication working for me going down the road so yeah um i, I think it's going to do very well i'm hoping that it you know opens up some eyes but uh we'll see i just have to get everything cleared through through dana so they don't have a fit on the drive shaft and the axle because <laughs> that truck is technically an 80,000 pound truck with that, that drive shaft and axle combination. Yeah. All uh, right. So I, when I figure let's, let's test her out. Yeah, exactly. So with that, with the setup you have right now and what was this weight? Like 120 something. Correct. If you run it through a startability calculator, are you within range? Or are you pushing it a little? Oh, start, startability is not a problem at all. Okay. Um, where where we run into problems is just um, uh, I, I think when we're in the higher gears, the the, the torque load. Just but I'll find torque, out exactly right? yeah. what their yeah what their what their concern is because we're limited in the lower gears. Actually, I have limiting going on. Um, so I, I, I don't know what their ultimate concern is on that. It's, you know, it's got the heavy housing in it. Um, I, I, I don't know. So I have to have a little more of a, a chat with them to see exactly what they would be concerned about in that scenario. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, that creeper gear, that's a tremendous, that's a tremendous amount of torque you're putting through that drive shaft and rear end. It is. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> with, you know, forty, almost forty, forty-one to one reduction. Um, I, I guarantee it's more than that. More than that. Yeah. At six NZ for sure. You're, you're oh yeah, 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 the, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. It, it just buries them eighteen speeds with the amount of reduction. I think the eighteen speeds like nineteen to one. 
um, right. on reduction. So we have twice the reduction. So it is, there's a hell of a low torque load going down that, that drive shaft. And, right. And, you know, uh, so yeah, it's going to be a hell of a drop to second gear though. It's, it's going to be a hell of a drop to, it's going to be a hell of a drop to first. I guess you don't, you don't call that gear first. But, well, uh, yeah. and, and, and with a 14, I have two crawlers, so it's going to okay, go to the deep, to the moderate, then okay. first. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, okay. otherwise, yeah, it's going to be an issue for sure. <laughs> we, we, had a, uh, we had a caller the other day that was uh, does like over 200,000. I forget the exact number. It's one of those numbers that's big enough that when you hear it, you don't even really remember it. It was just big. And he's, he's, his setup now is the working. Trans- yeah, and and he wanted he uh-huh. actually wanted to talk about two. He wanted to put a second transmission in another gearbox. And um, you know, I said, God, I haven't seen that setup in so long. I can't imagine what it's going to cost to try to make something like that work. And you know, then we started looking at other possibilities. And you know, two-speed rear ends. I said, seem more common. He said, Yeah, they are, but it's going to cost me just as much to do two differentials and as it would to do, you know, a transmission. And I said, well, you know what? It's working. Maybe just leave it alone. You know, maybe just keep doing what you're doing. It was an older truck. I said, why don't you just run it and then spec a new truck to do this job? And the, the one option I came up with, and as I was saying it, I thought, no, that's a dumb idea. Um, I said, well, maybe we can convert one of those Volvo 14-speed transmissions to work in this thing. Because it, it's got the right gears, you know. But it, yeah, it, Leroy was on, so he, he immediately said, don't even think about it. Don't bring it to me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I well, hey Joel, does this Volvo Volvo build some big ass heavy duty stuff? I mean, is it is do they yeah. use the base of this gearbox in that with more after it or before it or something? Well, the fourteen speed, just the way it sets here in America, is good to two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. That's what I thought, okay. um, and that's kind that, of the that's way we're talking for. about. Yeah. Now, yeah, and I know that they've got some bigger stuff that they use with that 750 horsepower 16 liter that goes, you know, you get into planetary drives and all that bullshit at that point. Um, there was a an operation over in Mongolia of all places, and there's a big coal mine that was running coal down into China, and, and one of the engineers I knew, he was actually in charge of that operation, and they were pulling like 450,000 pounds with a with a D16 up out of that that coal mine, wow. running it down on a road train down to yeah, it was nuts, but it, it had that super heavy duty um, I shift in it and planetary drives on the truck and whatnot. It was just crazy, but yeah, you talk about weight. He sent a picture of it. It's just absolutely amazing. It looked like 53 foot dump trailers. I mean, it was it was crazy. It was just huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with three of them into it. And, yeah. Yeah, they were doing it with a 16 liter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after we went through all the possible options, I finally said, look, that truck's working. Why don't you just keep doing it? And when you're ready to replace it, go spec a Volvo and, and you'll be able to pull this kind of weight. Well. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. And that's that's one of the things that we're trying to, I'm going to try and highlight um, when I get up to Michigan is, you know, he's 120,000 pounds one way. The other way he comes back empty. And by having that deep reduction, 
and being able to run comfortably and underdrive. Then when I'm empty coming back, I have those overdrive gears. And I really expect this is, this is where we're going to see the big gain is on the empty part. When I'm running loaded, because I am further back in the gearbox, I'll be very similar to their, their four tens or three nineties, what they cruise at. I just have a lot more flexibility when we get light or empty and I have better startability on top of it. So, um, you know, everybody loves to think that the 18 speed is the end all be all when it comes to transmissions. And I'm telling you right now, the, the 14 speed I shift has it all over an 18 speed manual. It, it just does. I mean, it, it, trying to just yeah. put an 18 speed in there to pull this 250,000 pounds wasn't working at all. I mean, it's just that you can't, you, you don't have the bottom end you want. You don't have the top end you want. You don't have much of anything. It's just a struggle all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, in, in the in the old eighteen speeds defense, whenever engines had a you know a, a, a torque curve that was uh, was pointy as a pencil, yeah, well, yeah, and they didn't make a whole lot. You know, it, it you needed all those really close ratios down on the bottom. It's, it's just it's just a thirteen speed that you can split the bottom half also. So you just have that, and yeah. So you know now you know, there's no reason for it with these things. It's a big flat torque curve. It's just not necessary at all. But, so you know, if we go back, they were really developed to make up for a lack of horsepower and torque. Right. That, that's or a narrow was. range, actually. Yeah, right. I mean, it, yeah. yeah, it was just such a such a tiny window. So, yep. Yeah, once you got enough horsepower and torque, you really didn't need a lot of those gears. Now, the 14-speed the seems to fit right into a really nice sweet spot that gives you that ability to be efficient at 100 and some thousand pounds or more and empty. You can be efficient at either one. Or you can be efficient at slow speeds and high speeds. Correct. Yeah. It just, it just gives you a ton of flexibility. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously the other OEMs are starting to see it cause we're going to see a 14 speed, a standard coming out of, out of the, the guys at international. So, Good. um, you know, we, we had talked about that and the guy that's running their power train, he was actually president of Volvo over here for years. And, and I worked, worked with him for, for quite a few years, actually, when we were developing the six by two and, and a real sharp guy. So when he, he jumped ship and went over there, he took a lot of the stuff that, yeah. you know, we had worked on. And it shows when you look at that powertrain, everything that he done. And it's pretty awesome to see that. It's like, you know, even though it's a competitor, it's pretty cool to, to see that, you know, some of the ideas that we worked on back then are, are really starting to, to make it out into the marketplace. And pretty awesome. Yeah. It's the uh, sincerest form of flattery, right? They copied right. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I can't say they, they copied me. We all were, right. you know, it was a team thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, it's, you, but it's, yeah. yeah, right. It's just well, really cool to yeah. see the, right, to see the, see it all starting to come out into the market. And, you know, for so many years, well, you're the craziest son of a bitch that I know. And that's just the stupidest thing. Why would you do that? And yada, yada, yada. So, and here it is going mainstream. <laughs> so pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. So I, I yeah, it's good to see that. I, I, I'm kind of, I don't know why, they're, they're usually kind of crappy, but I'm sort of an Avastar fan. I, I love that LT. I like the arrow on it. I, I've always, mm-hmm. again, I like the way they feel. There's something about those trucks. I always thought that had a sturdiness to them. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. But 
you know, they, they didn't seem to fall apart inside as quickly, and they always seemed to have a nice, nice solid field doors closing the club. You know, they, they just, and, and pursue them with the Scania, you know, affiliation. The more I study that powertrain, it really is doing exactly what you're doing. It's just, it's the same thing. Almost, almost too. Yeah, pretty, pretty damn close. Yep, pretty damn close. They, they, yep. they done a, they done a nice job. So I think they're going to have a have a real good product on their hands there. You know, John, so right, another they, option out there. You know, John, based yep. on, on what you were just saying there, there was uh, several years where, um, and this was back when I had multiple trucks. Um, I, at one point I had all internationals and it was kind of by default. I had a, I was buying all used trucks and I had a used truck sales guy that would find me exactly what I needed. And he was easy to work with. And, I had a good shop about a mile down from where the trucks were parked, and it was a good international shop. So I ended up with internationals. It was by default. I didn't even understand specs back then. To me, a truck was a truck. Um, but they were solid. And when I switched and you know started buying some Freightliners, you noticed a big difference in cab quality and interior quality. And then you know I got the the Volvo white and kind of went back to the quality there again, but the internationals were just good, solid trucks, nothing exciting about them. They were just good, solid trucks. Right. And you know, like I said, there are some people who just won't buy a Volvo. They think it's foreign or whatever. And, right. and technically I think an international is probably more foreign than a Volvo right now, but regardless, it's uh, you know, it's still, it's a name that's been, that's an American. He's got the history, whatever. But uh, and they but they are good solid trucks. They really are. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see them come back and and be a viable option again. And I swear it was that that Freightliner guy. What was his name? Hebe. He was at Freightliner for a long time. Then mm-hmm. he went to International. That was kind of their downfall. That was when everything yeah. turned around, and and they have had a horrible run ever since then. Uh, looks like they might be coming back though. I hope they do. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, I just posted that uh, that picture of the Iveco you sent over. My God, you can't stick your head in between the cab and the trailer. <laughs> and and that's uh, that that was just the quickest example I could do right now, standing that's in the what paddock. I figured, and I was driving yeah. last night, so I couldn't get many pictures. Yeah, every truck looks like that. Like every tra- they're that tight, and the front of all the trailers is rounded. And even these crazy ass side load trailers they have with the with they they pull like a tarp on the side, it's pulled so tight it doesn't flap at all. Like it is, it's 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 really 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 neat. You know what else? And I, they're all super tight like that. You know what else I see when I look at that? Um, how much more centered the weight is on the tractor? Yes. That's, that's, that's because of the bigger front tire that we're, and that's exactly what I'm doing with mine. This allows them to keep things pulled up tight. They have a much deeper kingpin setting to, to begin with. And then they have that extra, that extra carrying capacity, which requires the wide tires. And that allows them to keep that, that, uh, that gap tight. And that's something that we don't think about over here very often is front axle capacity in relationship to gap. Not many people think about it, you know, and if you don't have that capacity, you can't close the gap up like that. Well, here's the other thing I'm looking at, and I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but because they're running a cab over, it, it, we're not putting that front axle so far out in front of the kingpin that we can't get weight up to it, which is what we always try. You're right. 
well, yeah, and especially the longer the wheelbase you get, um, the the harder it is, or the more difficult it becomes to transfer the weight up front. There, yeah. There's no doubt about that. But the other issue that you run into with very short wheelbase cab overs is when you get them in inclement weather. Your and there's a there's a uh, a scientific name for this, and I cannot remember what it is to save my life, but your input for the steering wheel, you get very, very fast response. Everything moves very quick with a short wheelbase truck. And when you get into snow and slippery conditions, they tend to jackknife a lot faster than what a long wheelbase truck does because your your steering wheel input, that sensitivity is, is much slower. You don't get that fast jerky response. And um, so... That's one thing that actually in the Nordic countries in Europe, they're talking about getting rid of that overall length limit to run more American style wheelbases because we are more stable in inclement weather. So that's hmm. something you have to balance um, that, that stability in, in the snow and in the rain and whatnot with uh, closing the gap up, which you can do. And again, a lot of it goes back to, are we putting the right capacity axles under things and, um, when you look at where that kingpin falls on that truck, it's very similar on my truck. I'm way forward of the drive axle, almost dead center over the lift axle, actually, um, for the fifth wheel location on my truck. And that helps us close that gap up. When we lift the axle, we have a longer wheelbase, so we get the stability that we need in the wintertime, and it just makes for a, a good combination. Here's an interesting... So, this is what measurement that i just noticed on this truck john from the front of the trailer to the back of the steer tire looks to me like it's only about three feet if that <laughs> think about yeah, if that, that. Yeah. yeah the yep. trailer's almost up on the front axle it's damn close to it yes yeah yep that's pretty wild and that's a Joel, that's a three, this one I'm looking at right now, I'm walking with Attic as we speak. It's a 31582 or 2258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258258
with 385-55-22-5 on the front of it. That's there a you weird go. size. Yeah. I think that's a fairly common common thing over there. That, And the other thing that Europe does is when the weather gets bad up in north, they uh, they don't enforce that axle weight limit, and so they allow you to load the drive axle up because they would rather let you run a little overloaded rather than have jackknife trucks all over the highway. So my understanding is when the weather gets nasty, you're allowed higher weight limits on the drives for traction and safety, which makes sense. Hey, hey, John, I was just looking again at that Iveco. Is that, uh, is that top fairing somehow adjustable? Uh, yes, it is. I thought so. That's interesting, too. Yeah, they can move that up and down. Yeah. Huh. Nice. See how... They, hey, remember we had that on the old GMC cab overs? <laughs> with that, with that accordion, that accordion top fairy. Yep. yep. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, we the, the big reason we would never get this truck here in the U.S., There's one yeah. reason. Yeah, it has to do our, with the, the food we were talking about earlier. Exactly. Our drivers are too fat, and they fall out of these trucks and hurt themselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is the so act, this Volvo, uh, That's the reason. Too. It, it was workers' yeah. comp cost yeah. that the cab overs went away. Yeah. <laughs> I had heard that. Yeah. That's I had true. heard that. Yeah. You know, yeah. the other... You know the other challenge we'd have nowadays bringing cab overs back into the system on a on a wide scale basis, jacking the cabs up in most people's shops, you'd be in the roof. You couldn't do it. Yeah, if, if if you remember Freightliner's last attempt to try to save the cab over was the Argosy, and they had those swing out steps. Yeah, I love those things. Yep, that was a cool truck. Yeah, it just never really caught on. Um, you know, part part of it, fleet-wise, it was. Uh, hey, John, you're. Can you get away from yeah. that beeping? <laughs> it's oh. really loud. All right. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. The, the microphone on this thing picks up odd odd things. Yeah, yeah. probably. You get away from that. It must like it must like that frequency for some reason. Yeah, so. we had. Uh, All right. You know, we really had two things that kind of killed the cab over. On the fleet side, it was definitely the the workers' comp issue. On the owner-operator side, they just didn't want it. Well, they don't. They don't have the room inside. Definitely, they don't. Yeah, um, they really don't. Not, even, even the not the, the same the, amount of a creature comforts. Right. You know, the flat floor was a huge improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of the ones definitely I saw, was. Uh, some of the ones I saw on the road last night had fairly big bunks on them. Like, there were some that weren't total utilitarian. Okay, I like that Globetrotter. So, I'm looking, this is really cool. This Renault I'm looking at right now is really cool. There's a Volvo next to it, another Globetrotter. Yeah, I like that Globetrotter. That's a sharp truck. I'm, uh, by the way, if you're listening, as John sends these over, I'm just throwing them up on a uh, trucking tribe. Uh, if you want to go out and check it out. Um, hey, what do you say we uh, we take a call? Wojtek called me yesterday, Joel, and he wanted to talk to you today. So, um, okay. yeah, let me see if we can. I'm going to mute your line just for a second so I can get this quiet, but I'm going to have to. Hey, John. 
Yep. Could you try something for me? And I know it's kind of a pain in the ass. Can can you mute your phone and then just unmute when you want to talk? I can do that, yeah. Okay. Hold on, let me figure that out. I, I can't. Um, you and Joel are on the same line, so I can't mute you without muting Joel, and then it's going to get... There we go. Okay. Let me try this. Since that, I'm on the internet, what, it's different than the phone. I'm not on my phone. Whatever you just did... I'm going to voice isolation right now. We're fine, then. I that switched made it to what's called... That made good a now? huge okay. improvement. Yeah. Yeah, because... Because I'm talking to you on the interweb, not on phone line at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, you're actually our uh, second international call. We just, uh, yeah. just, not long ago, we had a uh, woman from London on. It was kind of fun. Um, yeah, let's, uh, oh, wow. yeah, let's grab a call. Wojtek, welcome. Hey, hi. Um, so I have an issue with my 2010 Volvo. It's got 797,000 miles. Um and it has not done a regen in several thousand, like probably 5,000 miles active region as I'm driving. Uh, and I tried doing a parked regen. I remember, I think it was Joel that said, or somebody said that it's a good idea to do a parked region once a month or so just to keep things clean. Um, and I've done that. And for some reason, for five plus thousand miles, I'm not able to do a parked region, nor does it do a active region while I'm driving. When I go are to you, the menu, just go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, are you trying to do it off the dash? The, the forced region? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't it says, need it, it won't, it won't let you do it. It says conditions not met. Well, it says temporary lockout check on the menu. What does that mean? That that I don't think I've ever I've ever seen before, but I know that it will not let you do a parked regen if it doesn't need it. Um, if if it needs it, it'll let you do it. Now the way that you do um, the regens for maintenance, that's something that the dealer or if your shop can do it, they'll put it into a certain mode and. Um, Oh, shoot, I forget what they call that. It's a, a crystal sublimation and a sulfur sublimation. It's a very, very high temperature deal that will burn out the depth crystals if there are any in there and it burns out some sulfur if there's any like sulfur residue in there. But that's nothing that you can do from the dash of the truck. Um, so it, it should not be doing active regens every 5,000 miles. If it is, you, you've got a problem. Um, well, it used yeah, to do. It used to do a region when I was driving every thousand to fifteen hundred miles. Yeah, and I yeah, was using catalysts. Uh huh. I was using catalysts for over a year, and I ran out and haven't had a chance to pick up any more for a couple months now. Um, and I ha I replaced the differential pressure sensor a couple months ago, uh -huh. and everything seems to be fine and. But now it just doesn't do the regen anymore. It shouldn't be. You should not be regening that often. That is not right. normal in any any stretch of the imagination. So, you if you had a bad pressure differential switch, it was probably seeing high high pressure, thinking, okay, this thing's plugged up, and it was probably regening unnecessarily. Um, oh, okay. Now that you've got that pressure switch fixed, you're you're probably okay. And it's, it sounds to me like it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. 
you should maybe on that truck, depending on your idle time, maybe see an active regen three or four times a year. Maybe. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was. I used. I, I used to before I replaced that pressure sensor. I was doing an active region every two or three days. <laughs> no. 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 That's that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That should not be happening. And, and, and you know what? It, it's almost a pretty good sign that if you're active regening that often, but the truck seems to be running okay, and not, that it probably isn't a true regen that it needs. It. It like. Like uh, Joel was saying, it was that probably that differential switch. Um, if you're regening that often, something should have something else should have occurred. You know, at some point that that. Well, this was the. Go ahead. Well, th- this was. Uh, I've been driving this truck for two years, um, and I had a twenty two thousand Volvo before, and the only reason I had to get into this because California wouldn't register that two thousand anymore, and it was my first time driving a truck with any kind of emissions on it and i was like well i guess this is how it is with these uh pos trucks <laughs> so I, I, no, I don't know any better no. <laughs> right now here here's the thing no. <laughs> one of the things we look for when we're looking at used trucks we'll pull the ecm and look at those regens if i would have pulled one on yours i would have thrown it in the trash wouldn't even look at that truck well um for ten thousand dollars at Six hundred thirty thousand miles. I don't think uh, no, no, you, that was a you, bad deal. You, you stole that truck. Yeah. Deal, yeah, you stole that truck. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's just the pressure differential exactly. switch fixtures and regen problem. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So that's okay, pretty awesome. So there isn't an issue. Okay. No, it doesn't sound like. Cool. I, I know. Uh, I yeah. Uh, one one more thing, I did uh, listen to some past shows with when you had uh, this uh, lady from. Um, or Sigmatic on, and I listened to that book yesterday. Fantastic book. Um, highly recommended to everyone. Very good listen. Yes, thank you. She's, good info she's pretty amazing. She's actually, when this is done next next week, Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to do the last part of that. It's a three-part series. Um, she's working with me to help me with my sleep. I've tried everything I know. And I was down to adaptogens as maybe that's the solution, but I just, adaptogens just, I, I couldn't figure them out. There weren't any good books on the market about them until she wrote that one. So, um, and I, I'm going to have some pretty good numbers to report. Certainly haven't fixed the problem yet, but I'm seeing steady improvement. Also, another good book, I don't know if you've uh, read this one by Ayn Rand, uh, The Virtue of Selfishness. Very yes. good book. Yes. I, I, she has written so many things, not even books. I mean, she's got all kinds of published papers, some really good stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'm glad to uh, find out that I'm uh, not driving a boat anchor after all. <laughs> nope. There you go. <laughs> he, should, he should be okay. That's right. Good stuff. Uh, I had a thought through all that. I should have wrote it down. Normally I do. Um, Let's grab another call. Let's go to Wisconsin. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, gentlemen. I need you to flip a coin again this week. I found another uh, hidden gem here that I want to compare last week to just refresh your memory. Um, One of the trucks that I had a question was a 2020 Freightliner uh, Cascadia with 215s, with DD-15, 430,000 miles on it. Um, 
I found a 2018 Volvo VNL 62T860. It's a six by two with adaptive loading package, adaptive cruise, collision avoidance, all that good stuff. Six channel traction control. And it's got the workstation, all the, it, pretty much all the bells and whistles with 438,000. Um, the, the gear ratio is what kind of bothers me here. So um, the 267s in there with the Volvo uh, integrated transmission, the 12 speed. What are your thoughts there? I mean, is that going to um, be another horse apiece there as far as fuel economy with a lift axle and a six by two trans? Well, with the lift axle, um, you're going to be better than both the other ones. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to see an, a bump in the fuel efficiency. The 267 is like the 264. It gives you the, the XE package is, is probably what that is. Most likely it's the 13 liter in VGT. Um, what you need is, to look yeah. at on this is the wheelbase. Um, we, we need to make sure that it's not crazy long. So you have some stupid big gap between the truck and the trailer. We need to make sure that that front axle is, you might get by with 13, two, it'd be better off of 14, six, but I'm going to assume that they put 13, two under it. Cause that seems like that's what all the salespeople done initially coming out of the box with those trucks. Um, and it probably has the VOAS suspension on it. Um, there are some things that we can do to improve that uh, relatively inexpensively. Um, it's not the ideal choice because it is very torque reactive. It works well for six by fours because that, that kind of torque reactivity on the front and the rear kind of cancels each other out, so to speak. Um, right. When you just have it on the one drive axle, um, so just uh, there, there, there was two things I did leave out. The two, two things you did ask about. It does have a fourteen six front axle rating, and it does. Awesome. It, it's got a two. It's a. It, this is a, a long wheelbase for me. I mean, I'm not in a two. This is a well, two forty eight wheelbase. Well, now, now here's here's depends how they're measuring it. If they're max, if they're measuring that axle up, then add twenty four inches to it, and you're down into that two twenty four range, and that's where you should be, and you should be able to close the gap up on it. And I'm assuming that's what they've done. They've measured this one axle up. Um, so uh, your wheelbase should be fine. Uh, with a 14.6, I'd jump on this truck because you can keep the gap good and tight on it. Um, you may, depending on what kind of fifth wheel arrangement they have on it, if it is a short slider, a lot of times they'll unbolt and you can move them forward. You want to get that fifth wheel so it's setting almost directly over top of the drive axle. Um, then we have some parameters in there for the electronically controlled suspension that most of the time the dealer's not even aware of. So we have traction help timers, um, that we can set out to 20 seconds. So anytime you put that truck into reverse, it's going to dump 21,000 pounds onto the drive axle. So you have traction reverse backing up. If the ABS sense a slip, it's going to throw 21,000 pounds to it for 20 seconds. To, to help you you gain traction and going nine times sure. out of ten those are never turned on um there's also a drt setting in there that helps to control the left to right uh pressure in the in the airbag and we'll need to go in and adjust that and get that all set up right um the, yeah this could be a real good one with the 14.6 i that makes me very interested in the truck because you have the right so, front axle underneath it 
Yeah. So my only concern was, you know, am I going to have equivalent horsepower and torque and at the ranges that, 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 uh, DD 15 does, because that's a, you'll have more. That's like their late. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You have more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have more horsepower and torque. Uh, well, I'm assuming that it's a, a 455, 1850, or is it the 425, 1750? It's a four, 435. Actually, let me just get back to that point. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a 35. If okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the Mac may have come through with a four forty five rating. The Volvo should either be four twenty five yep, or four twenty five. Right. Yep, four twenty five. It's a four twenty five is what they're claiming. Yeah. Yeah. See, uh, see what it'll cost to bump it to the four fifty five. You're going to want that. And then there's um, oh, that's programmable. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all program. No hardware at all. And then there is uh, some parameters in there that we'll want to set. So you get some really decent driving, uh, driving experience out of it. Um, uh, you need to find out if it has the performance shifter in it. That is an option that allows you to do a whole lot of things as far as parameters go. If it just has a basic shifter, uh, you might want to try to negotiate that into an upgrade. If you pull the trigger on this, tell them you want to bump the 455 and you want the you you want the hardware installed for the performance shifter and a kickdown pedal. Performance shifter and a kickdown pedal. Awesome. You awesome. You'd be loving life with that setup. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. As always, I greatly appreciate it. You're do, do you have, have my? Do you have? Do you have my email address? Yeah. So what I was going to do is shoot you an email and just get you on the clock for all your advice and yeah, have you invoice me on all this advice. It's, it's really priceless. It's worth any penny that you charge. So, uh, I, I'll get, you, I'll get an email over you on, uh, on what I find out here. You know, you, you said Volvo the dealer. Yes. Hey, Hey, Joel. okay. Yeah. yeah. Get me the dealer and who you're working with as well. Hey, Joel. Yes, sir. Don't, don't forget. To okay. Add, and you uh, said, don't forget to add John and I on to the invoice as consultants. <laughs> hey, hey, Joel, you, you had mentioned so the performance shift package, right? A performance and shifter, which gives you the, the ability to do some things manually if you want to and also opens up some parameters for us that the basic shifter doesn't have. So it's, it's just the shifter itself. Whether it's in the dash or on the seat doesn't make any difference. There is a basic and a performance, and you definitely want the performance, and you want a kickdown pedal. They might look at you funny when you ask for that kickdown pedal. They may or may not know what that is, um, uh, but it is upgradable, and they'll have to do a little bit of digging maybe to find it if they're not familiar. But uh, it should be upgradable, and it should not be you know outrageously expensive either. Okay. Awesome. Thanks again, gentlemen. You have a great weekend. You're welcome. You too. All right. Let's, uh, well, calls are coming in, so let's grab them. Let's go to Indiana. Matt, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Uh, Joel, I got a couple questions for you. Um, mm -hmm. First one is check the engine light on the dash. Check the code. I, I had to call um, one call Mac. Um, so it's a 2017 and it's coming up as the particulate matter sensor. And from mm -hmm. what I've been told, it's the sensor that's at the bottom of the stack, um, on the right-hand side and the passenger side. And it's 
notorious for failure. So replace the sensor a couple times already and then replace the harness. And about every three, four months, check engine lights, the same code again. Um, are you aware of a, a, an ongoing problem with them? I am, I am not. Um, uh, Jesus. I, you know what? I, that makes me want to check with my guys in the shop because uh, we, we don't see this in our operation. It doesn't mean it's not happening out there. But um, it's a what year? What year is it? To 2017, Mac, CSU. Mac. And the, the forums online are they're claiming that the rain's getting down the exhaust pipe, and because the sensor is on the bottom of the exhaust pipe, I I, I just have a hard I have a hard time with that. It, it may be. Are you uh, are you a member of Volvo Masters Truck Masters on Facebook? I am not. Get into there. I have got multiple master techs that are going to be able to answer your question without any hesitation. So uh, join that group and just just throw it out there. Even though it's a Mac, go ahead and just just tell them that I sent you. So nobody will give you any shit. So um, <laughs> get on there and and uh, we'll get that answered for you. How many times have you replaced the sensor? Um, replaced the sensor twice and the harness once. Okay. It, and I've had the code will go out. It'll show no active faults. And then, you know, it might be a day. It might be two months. Check engine light comes back on and it's showing the same fault again. Code. Yeah. When, when yeah, you I have, just have a hard time with. When you have a reoccurring problem like that, and e even if it's somewhat common or you can find other people that have done it, it it's kind of like the way we approach health we're not fixing the root cause of the problem. So you got to find something else that's causing the sensor to failure because it, it shouldn't fail and it doesn't on most trucks. So when it, no. when it fails over and over and over, we have to start looking for why that's happening. What's the root cause of this problem? And it's not the sensor or the harness, I would bet. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I, uh, I, I I'll definitely this. join a group and... Yeah, and um, Mac Anthem Masters also. If you're not a not a member over there, most of my really good techs are on on each side. So, uh, but definitely get into the Volvo one. Um, I've got several guys that are just on the Volvo side that are really damn good, and uh, I'll ask ask my brothers um, shop guys as well. Um, all of our stuff is weed burners, so we don't have we don't have any rain issues getting into anything. And maybe this is why we're not seeing it. If that's actually a, a thing that, you know, they're getting rain down the stack. I just, mm, it's hard to believe, but you know, yeah. maybe that's what's happening. Do you think that'd be is there a reason? Right. Is there a reason why Volvo has, I mean, this is, you helped me actually spec this out. I, it's, I bought it used. It's a fleet truck. Um, mm -hmm. But is there a reason why the they, will not let you go down as you're going down the road to, to see what the fault code is. And there's no way to get the check engine light to like clear itself. So in other words, right now, I know I have that active fault for that sensor, but I also mm -hmm. have no idea if the check engine lights on because of another problem now until it clears out. Well, so and you have actually, you've actually, you've actually called that 800 number that's on the visor for the, for the max. Support. I have. They're normally really damn good at explaining exactly what that code is and if it's serious, if you need to get to some place and 
they can even help no, no, you locate they, the parts. No, Joe, they've been, they've been fantastic. But my Good. problem is, is how do you clear out the check engine light? If it, normally it between you had 24 and 48 hours. Uh, for it to clear itself, that, that could possibly right. be. Um, so sometimes they will do that. Um, normally they don't want drivers clearing that stuff because if you clear it out on the road and then they got to get into it and look at something and everything's not there because you've cleared something, it becomes very difficult to diagnose, to diagnose I, things. You know, um, I, so they, they don't, they don't want to, they don't want you to be able to clear all that stuff out. Well, I, you know, you asked about, yeah, I mean, my only concern was I was building codes. You asked about yeah. doing it while you were driving. I, I have a feeling that's probably a safety issue. I don't think they want people going yeah, through multiple menu options on their dash trying to clear things while you're driving. That wouldn't be a good idea. Well, it's your fault for Kevin for putting it right on the steering wheel. Yeah. Yeah, my guess would be... Nice. things a little too convenient now. Yeah, there you go. Um, while I have you on the phone, um, so I did exactly what you guys were talking about a couple weeks ago. I unfortunately do not have the transmission where you can shift down or up manually. Um, mm -hmm. But what I found out after driving this thing for a year, I was stuck at seven and a half miles per gallon. And I went and I drive the thing up to about 61 miles an hour. It forces in the 12th gear. I can then press the M button and lock it in the 12th. And then I slow mm -hmm. down to about 58, 59. And I went from seven and a half to eight, three. Wow. Like consistently over yeah. the last three nice. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's, that's it's that's just pretty cool. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, so that, now, now that works. you know that, now that you know that that works, if you want to have a little more flexibility and there's some other things we can do on programming, just ask your Mac dealer what it would cost to upgrade the shifter. The transmission has the ability to do it. It is all in the shift controls that you have in the truck. Being a fleet truck, fleet managers don't want drivers shifting gears, but it is certainly right. capable of doing it. Um, I think Mac also has the kickdown pedal option. Um, and depending on how your truck's geared, what you've got going on there, you may want to think about um, possibly doing that upgrade, especially now that you know that it works. Um, it's, it's not all that difficult to do. And generally it's not all that expensive. Every dealer's different and you may get some crazy price out of a dealer here and there. So that's why I just can't universally say it's not going to cost you all that much. Typically it does not though. So something you may want to yeah, I mean, seriously think about. It's a little nerve wracking going down the road at a thousand fifty RPM, but you know, <laughs> sometimes <I'm laughs> that, that's, that's exactly what that engine was built to do. Yep. Um, yep. you know, in, in fact, you know, nowadays we're running closer to nine fifty going down the road. So, um, it, you should feel good about that. It, it, no, no stress, no nerves feel good because there you go. now that engine's doing what it was designed to do mechanically. And when you look at the power curve of that engine, you're, you're right where you should be. And that's why you saw the fuel mileage bump. Beautiful. All right. I do appreciate it guys. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Hey, John, I just looked at the picture of that cheese shop you sent over. That looks pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I, if I wander over there, uh, we're we're free again Monday. I'm busy tomorrow and and Sunday, but I've, I've got time off Monday morning. I'll, I'll go get a picture of the uh, the little butcher shop that had all the all the uh, organ meats too. Yeah, 
I, you know, I, I doubt that you could find anywhere in the U.S. that has so much cheese per square inch as that shop does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's all the good stuff, too. It's really? not, you know, oh, yeah, really no, uh, yeah. no fake cheese there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that looks really good. I, I, even yeah. that little shop right there, I'll bet I could spend an hour in there. Easy. Oh, yeah. And it's, um, it's, the, it's, the smell was amazing. Yeah, the smell was unbelievable. I'll bet. Yeah. Man, that <laughs> looks good. Hey, I had a interesting call yesterday. Um, Reman ISX, factory Reman. He had 400 and some thousand miles on it, and he sent me the oil sample because lead had really spiked up to like 80 or 90. And I said, that's a bearing. I said, but I don't, I'm not seeing any reason why in the oil other than your silicon is right at 10. I mean, 10 is kind of our cutoff. I, I don't get too worried about 10. I just yeah. don't like to see it go over that much. But he also only had 18,000 miles on the oil. And I said, when do you normally change it? And he said, around 25,000. And I said, well, you know, by 25,000, that silicon might be getting up around 15 even, 14 or 15. I would worry about that. Then now on the oil sample, this is also a kind of a, public service announcement here fill out all of the oil sample accurately it really matters i would have never asked this question because under uh, added you know how much oil have you added during this time he it said zero so i wasn't even thinking about that it's a reman it's got four hundred thousand miles on it i'm thinking of bearing yeah. issue he said and this thing just drinks oil and i said well, how much and he said a gallon every three thousand miles and I said, holy crap, that engine has just eaten itself and, and you're about to lose bearings. I mean, it, the, your cylinder kits are gone <laughs> and you're about to lose bearings. I said, I hope you have your in-frame scheduled. And he says, I do. And it's coming up in two weeks. And he said, should I drive it? And I said, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take a chance. Not, not if you've got yeah, an in-frame yeah, scheduled and, and we're starting to eat bearings, just park it. And he had, he wasn't planning on really driving it, but um, I... I other than maybe he's had this silicon problem, he, this is his first oil sample on the truck. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe it was just a silicon problem all this time. It could be a leaky air tube of some sort. If it's got you know, somewhere on the air filtration side, it's got some sort of compromise leaking around the boot or something, getting some dirt in there. Yeah. I mean, almost for that degree of, of wear and that amount of time, it almost has to be just dirty air getting into the thing. Yeah, and when it's both cylinders and bearings. Yeah, well, it's, it's consuming that much oil, so the, the, the rings are definitely not sealed up very well. Yeah, and I can't imagine that, you know, it, now had this been some shop building gliders or something, maybe they, you know, remanned a, a block they shouldn't have, but I, I don't think Cummins would do that. No, I don't believe so either. Yeah, there should have been a solid no. engine, but, you know, and he, he knew it. And here's a lesson. A $50 oil sample early on might have saved a $30,000 engine. Well, even, you know, I'm not even sure if Cummins does the uh, line bore and the, and the crank straightening, though. So if it was you know, something line bore wasn't great on and the crank wasn't perfectly straight, um, yeah, it, it could have gone through bearings regardless yeah, possibly. What about cylinders? Yeah. Cylinders, you know, again, that's the, the Cummins thing is always the carbon packing from the oh, EGR is always true. a big deal yeah. there. Yeah. 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 I, 
oil spill. And then put, nice. a, put a crappy air filter on top of that or an air right. filter that wasn't, wasn't quite sealed up perfectly on top of that. And You see what yeah. happens when we have to put low drag piston rings on because of the, <laughs> the way that that engine's put together? <laughs> you, yeah. you carbon pack them up. And <laughs> I know all the Cummins people are ready to shoot me right now, but <laughs> they had, had to throw that out there. Yeah. Hey, I, I just got a message from a guy that, you know, he said I, I'd buy a Volvo, but there's no independent shops that work, work on them. I have got two um, very, very good independent shops that work on Volvos that if, hey, if I can, I'd like to throw out there for hey, people. Hey, Joel, mm-hmm. we actually had this conversation yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought this up. I forgot to make a note to ask you about this. Um, what do you think? It, could we okay. get somebody from one of the techs from one of those shops to do the show with us once in a while? Oh, that'd be great. Uh, probably. Probably. Why don't we look at, uh, we look at doing that? Up. I think that would be awesome. Yep. Yep. So one of the shops is in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, Diesel Brothers Truck Service. And uh, they are very good on Volvo stuff. Um I, I've got a phone number and an email I can throw out there. Um, phone numbers eight four seven nine seven seven zero zero three two, and um, the email is shop at dbtruckrepair.com. Um, really good if you're in the Chicago land area. There, um, the other one, uh, Paramount Truck Service, and he's in High Point, North Carolina. And phone numbers three three six seven seven six zero zero nine zero, and it is Paramount Truck Service LLC at gmail dot com. Both of those shops are just outstanding when it comes to Volvo power. Would you take a Mac to them? Uh, yeah, I believe they can. Okay. Yep. The same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Well, but the interesting thing though, but that whole pretense, Kevin, is they, there's not a whole lot to do to them though, is the issue, right? So you run the overhead. I mean, that's something you need to be kind of fanatic about when someone who knows how to run the overhead properly, but Joel, like what other, you know, what else is there? Yeah, that, that's element. true. I mean, you know, we, we had that injector issue that we went through for a few years back in, uh, you know, the first generation of emissions engines where they, they had the exhaust plunger thing going on that, you know, nobody paid attention to it. So we, our geometry was wrong when those come out of adjustment and they would rock the injectors on the cups and boom, you know, but, uh, yeah. if you have that style engine and you adjust the plungers and you adjust the overhead on a regular basis and be aggressive about it, don't follow the recommendation, do it every year, regardless of miles, um, chances of having injector problems, um, are slim to none. Uh, on the new ones, I, I mean, yeah, just running running the overhead really at the recommended interval or a little little more awesome or a little more uh, uh, often would be awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's just not a whole hell of a lot, uh, yeah, especially yeah. as we get into these really down down sped engines. You know why it comes? Well, out, I mean, right? everybody's still in that in that mode, right? So this, you run this truck, you buy one of these things, you run it for a million and a half, two million miles, you get a new one. Yeah, You're never going to yeah. rebuild it. You're not yeah. going to do an in-frame on it. You're, none, none of that's ever going to happen. No, I agree. And, and, and as fast as technology is advancing and the fuel efficiency is going up, it's probably, you know, we used to think it was five or six years before we've seen enough of a bump in fuel efficiency between old tech and new tech to really help cost justifying it based on fuel efficiency. I mean, you never, 
base it all on fuel efficiency, but it is part of the equation. And it seems like the way technology is advancing now, it's two or three years instead of five or six where you start to see enough bump in the fuel efficiency to help cost justify things. So I think you're right, John. Uh, there's just just a few little things that you need to really pay attention to and take it out, drive it, and then you get into another one. So Yeah, you know why it really comes up is, you know, the, the fact that Pittsburgh Power doesn't really want to or, or – really they don't work on them don't understand them people want uh, you know a good independent shop the way you know we deal with pittsburgh power with a volvo and joel you and i have even told people the decision to buy a volvo or maybe a, a you know a freightliner might come down to which shop you have so i'd love to be able to develop uh, more yes, good yeah. recommendations for shops not yeah I, I don't see us ever you know doing in frames and rebuilding engines but just like this last little sensor problem. You know, if you had a good shop, that probably wouldn't have been a problem. He wouldn't have been calling us. His shop would have fixed it for him. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. To have some independent shops and to bring them on the air. And look, you can tell them this. They're going to get a lot of business. <laughs> if we bring them on the air every week. <laughs> yeah. Get yeah, a lot no, of business. There, yeah. There's no doubt. It's, it's, it's a win for uh, everybody. I'll talk to the guys that, I'll talk to the guys at Diesel Brothers and at Paramount. And, uh, yeah, it would be great. Um, I think both those guys actually had worked at um, at Volvo dealers in the yeah. past. You know, they're all okay. obviously factory trained. They have their certifications. They know what the hell's going on when it comes to this stuff. So uh, I'll talk to Clinton and the guys over at, at Diesel Brothers and, and see if they have any interest. Yeah, that'd be excellent. Let's uh, let's grab another Hello. call. Let's go to Minnesota. Craig, welcome to the program. Hello. Yes. What's on your mind? Yeah. Uh, I got a the um, the guy with the rejam problem with the Volvo. I got a little story behind that. I. Uh, Picked up a Volvo at the yard, and I'm on my way up to uh, Canada. So I got as far as Buffalo, it wouldn't regen. So I go into the shop there in Buffalo. I'm there like three days. And they ripped the dash apart. They ripped everything apart. And finally, he tells me that the reason why the truck won't regen is because there's a list, a protocol that it goes through, and somebody changed the radio, and the radio was in the list. So apparently the local driver ripped the radio out of the truck in the yard and put his radio in. So basically all they did is unplug the radio, and then it regened. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so three days I sat there and they actually told me what truck had my radio and where my radio, the radio in the truck, what truck he came out of. So if this guy changed the sensor, I don't know. He didn't say he went to a shop. If he changed that, that, that sensor, and uh, he did it himself. It's not in in the protocol list 
when you turn when you go to when you turn the truck on and you go to regen it goes through all the components that are listed and if you have a component that's in there that's not up uploaded to volvo and then from the truck it won't regen simple as that now that was a that was like a two two sixteen it was a two sixteen truck it was fairly new. It only had like maybe seventy thousand on it when I got in it. Joel is. But that's that, what. Does that sound right? Excuse me. I, I was asking Joel. Does that sound right? I, I mean, if 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 the guy put the radio in and started cutting into the harness or something under there, I, I, I no. suppose it could be just the radio no. itself. I, I yeah, that no, I don't. Know. It I've never heard that. Hold on. I, oh no, so there could be something to that. I've seen this in automotive in the automotive world. It's all on a CAN network now. Even the uh, radio yeah. is all looked at on the CAN network, and it would have had to pick something maybe, else off. But I'm not right. Sure exactly that's what, what I was thinking. It, it may have put something funky down the line, and, and if it uh, put the if wrong, wrong load in the can network, it could have I'm, thrown some other stuff off. You know what? That's so. that's another thing. I'll uh, I'll ask my guys, my brothers' guys, and and uh, see what their thoughts yeah. are on that. I I've yeah. never personally heard of it. It, it. Like John said, it wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility. Right. My first thought was somebody was wiring something and cut into the wiring harness. And I'm thinking, yeah, that would screw the, screw the pooch. Yeah. No doubt well, about it, but uh, interesting. Forget the radio for so, a second. He said um, they all have uh, some kind of code on them, all the components. Yeah, They're all I'm, coded to Volvo. I'm wondering. Well, and, and I think, John, aren't most trucks that way nowadays, new ones, when you update something, oh, yeah. you have to let the computer know that you updated it. Yeah, I think Everything, it's, that's yeah. not just a Volvo thing. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, we've had pretty, discussion about pretty standard now, right, too. That, that's, yep. You have to do it. Yep. Yeah, so it could have caused so, something, sure. Yep. So this sensor that's issue. Not, that's, not, so that's definitely plausible. Yeah. Somebody replaces a sensor, whether it's the guy or some shop that doesn't know this. That could be the problem itself is why the sensor keeps failing because we're not registering that sensor in the ECM. Uh, yeah, it could very well be. Well, that would be good. Yeah, it's to know. not listed in the ECM. <laughs> that would, yeah. It's not listed. You, you know, and again, let's get, let's get one of the Volvo uh, guys on. For ex- exactly. I'd love to know that. This is kind of along the lines. Yeah, I absolutely believe it could be true. It's no different than why I wasted a battery on my Range Rover. They told me you replace right. that battery. Yep. You need to update the ECM. But here's the thing, and this is why I'm interested in this. Why don't they make this much more clear? Why do? Why yeah, don't we know hard. this? Like once, right. once you have the equipment to do it, it right? Yeah. Why don't we know this? Well, the dealer didn't even yeah. know it. I was at a Volvo dealer. They didn't even know it. That's what I mean. You see this they all call, the time. They call Volvo International. Yeah. They call so. Volvo International, and they. They told them what what the problem was. Well, one of the one of the very nice things I think that Volvo does very well in this regard is the the people that they're calling the the uptime center. They are super about answering these types of questions and whatnot. Um, and maybe I can get somebody from uptime center too, That'd because be I, yeah, I mean anything anything Volvo related, you call that 800 number and them people are on it. They are very, very good. That's awesome. Um, I, I'm shocked how much I learn from them when I call yeah. the place. They're, yeah. they're good. good. They, they are. That's you know, it, people complain a lot of things about a lot of stuff, but this is, this is an area that, you know, Volvo's really, really got figured out. And they've done a hell of a, hell of a good cool. job with the uptime center. 
Excellent. So, hey guys, I'm gonna have to hey, get to work here. Uh, John, the, real, real the quick. boss showed up, and we're getting cars prepped for tomorrow. Real quick yep, before you do that picture you sent me, I'm looking at those cars there. Yeah. But what would it cost me if I wanted all of those? <laughs> uh, they're they're about four hundred grand each. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Uh, well, the list is a little bit less than that. It's a, it's an interesting deal the way the cars work. Uh, this whole Ferrari Challenge thing. So the, what I do is called Ferrari Challenge, and it's a racing series hosted by Ferrari, and they have one North America, South America, Europe, uh, an Asian version of it. And right now we all come together here in Imola. So every championship is here. Wow. So all of wow. our stuff got loaded in containers and flown over that we normally run here in the States. We're going to have a race here with our guys that we normally compete with in the States. And then if we do well enough, we'll do an international race at the end of the weekend, kind of a bracket system. Wow. Uh, what Ferrari does, they host this racing series and they have, it's such a racing based company. Um, they don't care how rich you are. <laughs> if you want to buy certain cars, like there are, there are car allocations. Uh, so you could be, you know, Jeff Bezos and you don't already have a Ferrari and show up at a Ferrari dealer and say, you want to buy this new latest and greatest, whatever. And they will just flat out tell you, no. Wow. One thing that can get you on the list is racing a Ferrari. If you're a Ferrari racer, you get bumped up the allocation list. Oh. So a lot of these guys are pretty true racers. They're all well to do, obviously, because no one's sponsoring <laughs> anybody to do this. Yeah. But they do it to get the car allocation. So wow. then they buy these unobtainable cars and then sell them to the billionaire who couldn't buy it from Ferrari. So it's a really interesting deal. Some of these guys sustain their racing habit by with their car allocation and buying the, 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 the car that nobody else could get and, and selling it. So uh, it, It's a really interesting deal. It's really fun. It's, it's a really neat environment. There's a political lesson here. The whole car allocation system is kind of like socialism. And then the, the guy with all the money coming into race is like capitalism finding a way around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're, they are, they are, they're working the system. Oh, man. And, 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 and you know, the, the overlord here, Ferrari, shall we say, they have such a love for the racer. They don't give a shit about it. Right. Else, right. So right. it's like, okay, but you race a Ferrari. You can buy one. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bezos, no, you can't. You don't race a Ferrari. So, yeah, that's that's really how it works. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's uh, and it's very mafia like, too. It's hilarious. Like, I had to be invited in and approved to be here, to be honest with you. Uh, it was. Uh, the team I work for was short an engineer one weekend. Uh, one of the driver coaches knows me from other things I've worked with him with. Calls me on a Monday, said, hey, you want to want to make some money this week? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. So he said, well, you know, uh, MG1 needs an engineer. And one of their guys went and did something else and left them high and dry. So they called me and I told them my price. And the guy said, that's not enough. I'll give you double that. I'm like, holy shit. And then he goes, I have to have you approved first. I'll let you know more if they'll let you in. I'm like, okay. So, yeah. Wow. So he wow. took my credentials to whoever he goes to, and they said, "Yeah, that guy's allowed to engineer here." So, wow. so it's, it's crazy. What, what an awesome <laughs> experience! Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so all right, go get fun. to work. But yeah, then. that's it. I got to get back to my guys. I got to set right. up a car for tomorrow morning. So I'll, right. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Thanks. All right. Bye. Yeah. 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 That uh, that looks like fun. Cool uh, stuff. Craig, we still have you online. Anything else? Yeah. No, that's about it. That's All right. about it. Thanks for that. Hey, well, thanks uh, for bringing that up, though. I, and we'll uh, we'll do some digging into that. That would be a really important thing for us to know. Really, I can't believe. Yeah, that, I uh, couldn't. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that we have I mean, people chasing chasing problems around that shouldn't be problems. 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, as I said, there's some kind of code on all the products, and they yep, they I, all have to be listed. I I and could see that it, I could see that happening. Hey, we're gonna move along. The calls are piling up. Let's go to Kansas. Ernie, welcome to the program. Uh, yeah, this is Ernie, Kansas. Are you there? Yeah, Ernie, go ahead. Uh oh, I think we just lost that line. He's been holding for a while too, but we lost him. Let's grab another one. Let's go to California. Keith, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hey, I'm pulling over right now, so you can hear better. Um, I sent you an oil sample. Okay. Ah, uh, yes, okay. I've, I've got it here. Um. Are you on a headset? Can you switch? I can barely hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling over right now. Okay. All right. Um, I definitely have some questions for you here on this oil sample. And can you hear me out? Yeah. Can you hear me out? That's better. All right. And and I'm uh, okay. and, and I'm going to beat you up a little bit. I just said yes, we we need all of the information on the oil sample. You didn't put anything on here. How many? What? Uh, what engine is this even? Oh, my goodness. It's an MX-13. Oh, I'm sorry. With, I, um, I, I'm sorry. We can't talk to you. No? <laughs> just, just, just kidding. Just kidding. All right. How many, how many miles are on the engine itself? 250,000. Since new? No. It had a new motor at 350. Why? Wow. Uh, it had uh, the, the um, sensors have like a metal flange that held it in place, and those flanges were breaking up and going through the system and ended up in the oil pan. That was a recall by Petcar. Got it. So they put a new engine or a remand engine? A new long block okay. at 350. So it's, it's a new remand. Um, at 350, and you have 250 on that long block. Yes, sir. Okay. And how many miles are on the oil that's in that engine when the sample was taken? 50,000. 50,000. What is the the recommended on that one? Is it's like 60 or 75,000, isn't it? On the MX. It's, yeah, it's, they can go. Yes. Okay. So. The oil change, you know, 50000 isn't a problem on this, but oh, we've got some weird stuff going on here. Um, are you using Catalyst? Yes. Okay, so that explains the iron. I can ignore that, so maybe it's not so weird. Um, silicon, you're getting up in that danger zone. You're at nine. We, we really, but at 50,000 miles, that's probably not a problem. Um, just watch on your Can the silicon would be called dirt? That's dirt. Yeah, that's dirt, and that's what will... Okay, yeah, I changed the oil, the air filter as well. Okay, so just keep an eye on that. If it ever goes over 10, we either need to figure out why or back off on your drain intervals or get a, um, get a bypass filter that can sometimes help. The, the thing that's concerning me on this, what kind of fuel economy do you get out of this truck? Um, generally six and a half, um, if I'm running like 65, 
Um, it'll go up a little bit if I go to 55. It'll go down if I go 75. Well, yeah. Um, okay. What is that normal van operation? No, it's a curtain side, and I and I do mostly the West Coast up and down I five. Okay, so the the curtain side and you know is is an issue. Being on the West Coast really isn't. I five is not a tough route to travel at all for fuel economy. Um, the fuel economy kind of sucks, and I'm not surprised um, because you're also just wiping out the base on this oil, and what that tells us is that you've got a lot of dirty combustion because that's really what the base is there to counteract. You know, when, when we combust the fuel, if we combust it poorly, we create more acids and then we have to use base to counteract the acid that that this is as simple as you have heartburn and you take a Tums and it goes away. This is the same thing happening in your engine. You have an engine not, not burning fuel properly and creating an acidic environment, and we have to put Tums in there to counteract it. And you can literally do that. I don't recommend it, but it, it works the same way. We're putting a base substance in your oil to offset the acid. But what it tells me is, is when you are, you depleted yours all the way down to one, that, that we don't like to see it go under about two and a half. Oh. Yeah. So you, okay. you have you have almost no base left. In fact, if you wouldn't have changed this oil, if you see the the uh, category right next to base number is acid number. So when your base went to zero, which wouldn't have been much longer, you would have actually started to see an acid number build up. I think I've only seen that twice okay. in 20 years. Doesn't happen very often. So this engine is not tuned well, or we've got a lot of exhaust restrictions somewhere, or um, what else could be causing this? There could be a couple other things, but we've got to really dig into this thing and see why it's not running well. Okay, it's been in the shop uh, uh, quite a bit lately, and it's mostly been sensors and and coolant. I had a... um, the tensioner on the fan belt broke on the road and um, shredded the, the fan belt, and it got pretty hot. Put a new a new belt and a new tensioner on it and drove back. But I've been having problems with the mostly with coolant, which is what my concern so, was. That's uh, why I changed the oil to make sure there wasn't any coolant. Okay, so I can I can I can kind of alleviate your fears. You don't have any coolant or cooling issues that are affecting the engine. Now, you may be losing sensors or coolant, or it's not going into the engine, and it didn't even really get very hot, because if it would have, I'd be looking at oxidation, and and your oxidation number is... Right, 250. Yeah, your oxidation is completely normal. We didn't really get this engine too hot, so I'm not really worried about that. Um... This is just a, a, a very poor performing engine right now. We need to figure out why. And the other thing that's kind of odd, normally when we have a poor performing engine, we see possibly some fuel dilution or some soot, and that would usually point us in to, to the injectors as the problem. That's not your problem. Your, your injectors aren't causing any real issues with overfueling or anything like that. So... Um, Almost thinking, 
Okay, so last uh, wait, last one, time we one, sampled it. One it, other question: When was last time the overhead was set? Okay. Um, I would say less than six months ago. Okay, that shouldn't be a problem as long as I do it once a year. <laughs> who does it? Um, Pat Carr. Okay, I would hope they're doing it right. It's not always the case, but I would hope they're doing it right. Joel, anything? Yeah, no guarantees. Anything coming to mind here? I'm so unfamiliar with the specifics of this engine. Yeah, I, I just curious as to how you have this thing geared and what transmission you're running and where you're cruising at down the road at R, what RPMs. I'm trying to get a handle on the piston speed. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're talking about potentially combustion not being optimal, and that that particular engine has one of those uh, very short connecting rods. So we do have higher speed, average piston speed during the stroke. So we're very fast away from top dead center. So I was just, just curious how, how you're geared, what rear axle ratio you're running. It's a 13 speed. And I actually honestly don't know the, the gear ratio. Um, what speed do you normally run? I usually run 65 and above. At at sixty five and, and RPM where, at sixty five. Where, where's the attack? About fourteen hundred. Oh, yeah, oh, that's awful. Fourteen hundred at sixty five. That's and, that's and, probably part of the problem right there. And you're running faster than that normally. Yes, sir. There, that's. I that's, I run pretty fast. That, that how, how so fast, you're in that like, fifteen hundred RPM range quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, that's awful. So this is probably the biggest part of the problem is the way that the, the truck's geared. This is why we're we're seeing what we're seeing in that oil sample. I would assume. Yeah, um, that, that's okay? and, that, and that engine in, that engine in particular is going to have really really high piston speed coming off top dead center. So, um, you know, uh, it's going to be. You might want to try. It, you are running the catalyst right now. You might want to put a cetane booster with it to see if that okay. might help things a little bit that might speed up that burn fast enough to keep up with the, with the piston coming off top dead center. I don't know for sure, but you may want to try it. Um, several people have sent me messages that they're, they're were actually doing that. They're running catalyst and then they were running a cetane booster with it. And everybody that's done it so far that I've talked to, they seem to really like it. I have never run them both myself personally, but it may be something you might want to try. Okay, I appreciate that. But on a side note, I just want to let you guys know that last time that we sampled and talked about this oil sample from this truck, Kevin said it was an absolutely perfect running engine. Um, so something's changed since that last oil change. Well, that's a good That's piece drastic because I've driven it the same and I carry the same freight. Hey, so, Bernie, let me ask you another question. You're, um, you're about sure. to get taken behind the woodshed here in a second. Um, <laughs> hold on let me go back why why am i looking at this sample thinking it's the first time i've ever seen a sample for this truck there's no history i, I don't understand that because i i called i called horizon and had them set up the sample because i was having a problem with my internet and so i don't know why the, the history didn't come with it but well, wait. Well, um, well, wait a minute. I kind of have a clue because you didn't fill out any of the form. Right. There's no. I, it was done online in in the. So let, I I can see. Six. I mean, it was done done on the phone. It wasn't done online. Yeah. There's there's six 
fields of information not filled out on here. So I'm glad we have you on the phone okay. and we're, we're dragging all of this out of you because that's a real clue. <laughs> uh, you know, and yeah. here's the other thing, Joel. I, I, I can't think of what is causing this. So I'm with you, you know, spec um, running at a high RPM, but I'm not seeing soot. And, and maybe sometimes you wouldn't, but normally that's a pretty good indicator. And I'm not seeing any soot in this engine. So now it's interesting to know that the last time I looked at a sample, I said this engine was running really well. Something has changed. I, I don't even well, know. He is running. He is he is running catalyst, so the, you may not maybe see soot yeah. because of that. Possibly. Yep, but that doesn't. That still doesn't mean that you're getting a hundred percent optimal combustion. Um, it is, it is interesting if his, if his prior samples were, were spot on and now all of a sudden we're getting this. Right. Um, hey, yeah, Ernie, yeah, where, where, where do you get your oil changed? This is Keith, not Ernie, but, um, oh, I'm sorry. where do I get the samples taken? Yeah. No, where, is that what you, the question was? No, where do you get uh, your oil changed? Who changes your oil? At a, at the yard where where I'm um, at R and M in in Grants Pass, Oregon. What kind of oil are they putting in? Uh, uh, Semi synthetic. Um, I think it's Delbeck. So what I want you to do, just out of the blue, because I have no other, I, I just don't know where else to go with this one. Um, I want you to change the oil someplace else and put. Um, Rotella. Okay. Just plain 1540 Rotella. Okay. okay. And then let's see what happens. And you think I should change it now or next oil change? I'd change it now. Let, let's try to solve this problem. Okay. Because it, it, have a, it, okay. If, if, if the base is this low, um, we're going to start doing damage. Acid will just start attacking all kinds of things in that engine and, and we get all kinds of weird problems that we're, we're we don't even know how to deal with because we don't normally see them. It's unusual for an engine to get okay. this low on base, and we could start seeing issues we don't even know how to address. So I would change the oil now. Go to a, just a straight 1540 Rotella, and then do your after okay. that oil change, do your next sample at 25,000 miles. Okay. And then call okay. us and let us look at that sample. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so the, the history, apparently when I, I was trying to do it online and I ended up calling the phone number and the person on the phone submitted the sample when I, and I sent it in. So we must have had some miscommunication or something. Yeah. Sounds like about it. the history. Yeah. You might want to call him back and try to get that history because history helps a lot when I'm looking at samples. So you, when you do your next sample, okay. you might want to call them again and kind of explain, you know, can we get all of my old samples? So we've got them all in one place. Okay. And if sounds like the plan, if not the next time you call when the, when the screener answers, um, I think, I'll have to check with Lisa. I think we can go into the system and find your old samples. I think we have access to them. Okay. 
but I, I, sure. I, I can't That's do, yeah. yeah, I can't do it on the fly while I'm talking to you on the air. So when the call screener picks up, um, and, and I'll let Angie and Lisa know, and we'll, uh, I'm pretty sure we can go in and, and get access to this. Um, but we'll do it when you're, the call's being screened so that when the call gets to me, we have them. Sure. Perfect. Right. Um, and it's, yes. And then, so I don't need to do the overhead until I get that next sample. Cause I'll go do another overhead. If that, if no, you think I, that I, will I, help. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if it was done six months ago by Packard, let's assume it was right. And again, I'm not seeing other indications that it might be overhead. It's, this one's a little confusing because okay. normally I would see some other things <laughs> weird here when the base drops that low, but I'm not seeing those things. Okay. So that's why I kind of want to just let's All right, start that's over a game plan. You know what I worry about? Here, here's what I worry about. That, that shop probably puts the oil in out of a gun, right? Yes. I'm, I'm worried we got some kind of garbage oil that just didn't have much base to start with. Hmm. Yeah, I've done two oil changes with them. It, 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 here's the other option I would try, but I think I would rather just go see, get some clean Rotella in this. We know what we're dealing with. The other thing I would do is I would go to the shop and ask them to fill up a sample bottle from their gun and send that sample in and see how much base is in there. Okay, I can do that. If you want to do that, you know, spend 50 bucks on a sample and we'll see how much base their oil is starting with. Okay, yeah. I can do that before I do the next part. Okay, give that a shot. Yep. Okay. All right, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you both. Take care. Let's, uh, ooh, I think we have Ernie back. That's why I called Keith Ernie. Um, Ernie, you there this time? <laughs> yeah, can you hear me? I can this time. What's up? Okay. Um, well, right now I tore into my kingpins on my truck and I was, I got the one out fine and the other one, I, uh, one of the wedge bolts, I guess they're called the end of the bolt broke off and I'm trying to get it out to where I, I use a punch. Anyway, I, I, uh, I drilled a, a hole in my old kingpin to see how tough the metal is. I I've got a half inch drill bit and that fits exactly in the hole where the wedge bolts go in. I was wondering, what do you think if I drilled that? drilled that out with that half inch. Oof. Have you ever had that trouble? I, I haven't had that trouble and I'm trying to picture it in my mind. How long are, is that bolt? Uh, the wedge bolts are two inches, uh, maybe two and a half inches. And the threads are about an inch long. They broke off leaving the wedge part in there and I've been punching. I got an air punch. I, I cannot get that damn thing to move out of there and they're sucked in there. You know, they're sucked yeah. in that axle. That's I guess how they keep them in there. Anyway, I, 
started to use the half inch and I it had a, you know, like a, a point on the end that pilot holds it. Right. And then I took a, a smaller drill bit and drilled in that pilot hole. And I tried pounding on it. And anyway, I was wondering if I just drilled that out as long as I didn't waller out the hole, which it so, shouldn't be in its exact size. Well, what I'm worried about, I almost like the idea of going with a smaller size and just working material out slowly. What I'm worried about is if you've got a drill okay. that's the exact same size as the hole, there's an, that's why I asked how long of a bolt is left in there that we've got a drill. That's an awful lot of material to try to pull out through there without damaging. So I think it, it's going to take longer, but I think if I were doing this and I were going to try to drill it, I think I'd just start with smaller drills and try to drill through the center of the bolt as much as possible and, and take out less material at a time. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. And then finish up with the, the, you, you may not even, you may not even have to, you get enough material out of that center of that bolt that might collapse enough to come out. Yeah. Well, that, that's an idea. I was just, I was trying to figure it out. I've never did kingpins before. I've watched it on YouTube a couple of times and so far I, I got the other side off. Okay. But this side, I don't know. The fender's in the way. I kind of got a little crooked and I think it was hard in there anyway, but the end of that bolt broke off and then using a punch wasn't doing me no good. But, I had another question, though. I'll probably try that. Okay. But, What's your other question? Um, I've got a, I've got a '95 GMC Volvo. It's got a Detroit in it. I don't know. I, I in '95, it's probably got to be one of the first I, ones. I would think the '60 series. I had a couple of those. Same truck. A series sixty. Yep. Okay. Anyway, I, I, okay. Well, I got the, I got a hell of a deal on it. I got for four hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> and it, <laughs> that's a hell of a deal. Well, Anna can. Lotus, Anna, Anna Lotus sawdust. I I haul sawdust to this horse uh, trainer, and he, anyway, he uh. He had it sitting out back. I didn't even know if it run. He's like, well, you want that? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I looked at it and I had no idea if it ran. And, and I was like, I don't know if I could pay a couple thousand for that. And I went back and I asked him what he wanted. And he's like, oh, it made $450. I was like, well, it's sold. <laughs> and, All right. and a load of sawdust, which right. is about, well, it's, it's, the sawdust is $450. That's what I just switched him a load of sawdust. And, but uh, you know, my hauling normally makes it about 1500, but anyway, yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, he used it to pull a horse trailer and they chopped the back of the frame off. And as far as I can tell, they moved the front moved the back axle forward and got rid of the front axle. So it's a single I, axle. I, I have even done that and, a couple of times to that same truck. 
I used, um, that's what I used to do. Okay. I, used to, I used to buy used Volvos with Detroits. I used to buy tandem axles, and then I would convert them to single axles. Okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'd pull grain wagon, so I hopper bottom. I have to have all the weight I can get. And I thought about maybe extending the frame and then uh, if I extended the frame and put a a lift axle back there and I'm going to put a steer lift axle in front of the axle that's there. So you're going to create and, a, uh, you're going to create a triaxle tractor with one drive axle and one yeah. steerable. Yeah, one steerable in front of that and then the, and then the steer cleared the front, but um anyway, I was my question was and you, there'll be a, you know them lift axles the one I the one I have I only have one but it it's completely adjustable you adjust the air to however much weight you want to pick up you know right and I was wondering if you did that it, I think whenever I the one I got here the international it it just came with a steer axle a steerable axle and. Wherever I slide that fifth wheel all the way up where I can get the weight on that axle, it sits pretty much square on top of where that axle would be, the front drive axle. Anyway, I was wondering if I would have any trouble if, say, I picked up both them axles, you know, for traction, if it would make the front end... I don't, I don't know what I'm, well, so I'm going to have to extend the frame. So if all you're worried about is what happens when you pick up two axles, just to get yourself out of a jam, who cares? I mean, we're not driving down the road, worrying about where the weight is on a steer axle or are we legal or it, we're just using this to get us out of a jam. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. There are other yeah. things we need to, we, this needs to be done properly. There's no doubt. But the, my issue wouldn't be, am I worried about, can I lift two axles and what's going to happen? Because we're only going to do that when we absolutely have to, because we're stuck somewhere. My, my, here's my first yeah, here's a, like, um, When How many miles are on this truck? Uh, I don't even know. The, it's, the dash, when I went and got it, I used the scan gauge because the dash didn't work. And I didn't look tomorrow. The the motor supposedly got about two hundred fifty thousand. Um, I um, I suppose uh, on a rebuild. How much weight do you pull? What's the most weight you're going to pull with this thing? Not ninety. Gross know, ninety. My concern is that differential, because that's a twenty thousand pound differential. And and I've done it. I've converted them. They've held up for a million miles, but that was pulling you know light FedEx doubles and. You know, they were new differentials just about when I did it. This is a probably a really old original differential that that thing's probably going to bite the dust on you. That that so you might. Okay. Wanna, so what you might want to think about doing, 
since you're going to be doing all this frame and axle work anyway, is just yank out everything that's under there and start with a new 23,000-pound differential. Or not a new one. You just get a used one. But start with a 23,000-pound differential. Okay. And uh, one more. When 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 you're looking at all this stuff, just one thing to keep in mind here. So... Uh, you know, having worked with lift axles and stuff a lot, every component, and I think even the frame rails themselves will have what they call a crawl or creep rating. And that's specifically for what you're talking about. So you may have a 20,000 pound axle. If you're under such and such a speed, it may be crawl rated for 25,000 pounds or 30,000, you know, whatever that number may be. So if you do decide that you want to go out and put a 23,000-pound axle underneath it, I'm almost positive, like you could call the folks at Dana, if it was a Dana axle, give them the model number, and they'll tell you what the crawl rating or the creep rating is on that axle. So you, you've got a good idea of, of uh, what you're getting into, and you're not, you're not just putting parts on there hoping it's going to work. Okay, and that would be to be able to take off and... Uh, Yeah, I mean, the twenty the twenty three thousand pound single axles. If you get into the right salvage yard, are pretty easy to find because that's what most of the LTL carriers when they exactly. run single axles like UPS, ABF, yep. all them. They're twenty three k axles. They may not be the ideal suspension for you that's on that axle, um, but uh, you may be able to find something you know more vocational uh, application. Like I run, uh, I run uh, Primax on mine. Uh, to address some situations that you'd probably be dealing with, same similar things. Um, but you could at least get to the 23K. Uh, the suspension will be a 23K also. It may not be ideal, but would probably work. Um, you, you definitely want to u- upgrade that if you can. You probably have to upgrade drive shaft at the same time. Okay. And the, the, the drive shaft angle is... What I was also worried about is I always hear people talk about it, but I'm like, I don't even really know how to check such thing. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Who's going to do this work? I don't know that neither. I I was probably maybe maybe me. I got a a buddy of mine who extends truck frames. I would I would want somebody involved in this operation that knows what the hell they're doing. Okay, and where would where would you find somebody who would know how to do that? You know, I would I would the one shop that I know around the country that I would at least start with them is um, just north of Denver. Uh, oh, jeez, I just forgot the name of them too. Um, Maybe it'll come to me here in a minute. Is that Yuma? Uh, no, it's one of the the sub. It's it's pretty close to Denver, just a little north, like one of the northern suburbs of Denver. Um, Bruce knows them really well. I actually, they helped us build the first. Uh, they helped us build the drive line on the first signature truck. Um, they did the um the conversion for me on my the last glider that I built it was built as a tandem axle glider and they converted it to a single axle for me oh Matt just helped me western truck parts 
Okay, Western. Yeah, they have a whole driveline shop. Okay. That, that's what they do. They do transmissions, drivelines, differentials. They, they reman. They have a whole driveline shop. Um, I would start with them. Okay, and I had another question, and I'd get this all set up. I, I We do harvesting, custom harvesting, so I do get in the field sometimes. Most of the time, they're not, you know, too soft. Um, I was wondering about, you know, if you picked up your axles to take off out of the field, and sometimes I take off out of the field at 100,000. I I'm you're, wondering about you're, you're, you're six by two. This is probably not a good good idea probably not. for the six by two. I love six by twos, but if you are spending time in fields with the kind of weight you're, you're yeah. just going to dig a hole. Yeah, that's what it's going to it's going to dig a hole. Oh. Um, don't well, don't don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Okay. Well, I was thinking I was thinking about if I had twenty two. Uh, the the thing came with twenty four five low for, profile. For, for, forget think I, of putting I, I, the tires aren't going to matter. It's really not. It, the, the tires oh. aren't going to matter. Not if you're trying to do this with just one <laughs> axle, that kind of weight in soft dirt. The tire you doesn't know. matter. Yeah, you could have okay. monster truck tires right. on this thing. It's it going to bury itself. Yeah. This is one of the few times I, I'm going to tell you don't do a six by two and. 90% of the people, I'd tell them, go ahead and do it. This is one application where you are going to be very disappointed. Okay. Now, if I kept it on the road and load it at 100, 105,000, it'd be okay uh, as long can, as it's on hard you, ground, right? Uh, depending on the axle on hard ground, um, the axle will be rated up to 125,000 pounds. Here's how you determine whether this makes sense or not. So what you're looking to do on any six by two is you want to put 25% of the gross combination vehicle weight on that drive axle. That's what your target is, what you're shooting for. When you can make 25% of gross combination, your tractive potential is equal to or better than a six by four on hard surfaces. So when you start to add multiple axles to support the weight to stay legal, that's going to reduce the percentage that you can have on your drive axle. It may move the load up and down the road, but what you're going to find is you're going to have accelerated tire wear and your fuel mileage gains may not be there because you're going to have this excessive, excessive slippage. So the way that we deal with it at, at Volvo is we have what we call automatic weight biasing, and this is where it becomes important. When we do things at home, we have little valves that we try to adjust manually and try to get it into a sweet spot. With auto biasing, it monitors that weight distribution and it will automatically bias weight to the drive axle. When you get into multi-axle configurations and you do not have that type of setup, you're most likely going to have some tire wear issues and you may not see any fuel economy benefit at all out of it. So just, just be aware of that. Will it pull it down the road? It will. Um, when it snows or it's wet, you may be breaking traction a little more often than maybe comfortable for you. The, the point is it will not be ideal. And if, if you have to have, I, how many axles do you have to have to be legal to run that kind of weight? I have four. Um, 
in which a lot of guys have the triple axle trailers, but I don't want to buy a new trailer. And I, if, if I adjusted that to where it had, what was it, 25% of 90,000 on it all the time, because I'm either, most generally, I'm either empty or loaded. You know, there's no... Well, it, right. If you run a digital load like that, where you're either empty loaded, you can potentially make that work. Um, I know a guy that runs, uh, what is it? He runs an eight by two, um, out West and he's the same way. Now he still has the, the weight biasing on it, but, and he runs a ton of axles and the only way he can make it work is because he does have more empty miles than loaded miles and, and he does make that work. So if you have, 50% or more empty and you're always loaded to the same weight and you're on very similar routes all the time, you could potentially make this work. It's not going to be ideal for sure. So um, you just need to keep that in mind. What you're doing here, you're looking for the efficiency, but your, your duty cycle and your application may not be the best fit for a six by two um, you know, if this is just something you like to play with and, and you love doing this type of stuff, you can maybe make it work. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering if it always had the, the most, you know, the 25% on that axle, it, it mainly would be wearing my tires more. Is that hey, what? Hey, hey, Ernie, no, me, actually when you have that heavy, mm-hmm. I, let me just ask Ernie. Go ahead, Kevin. Are you trying to do the six by two for fuel economy? Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I imagine how, one of them axles would be cheaper than two. How, how many highway miles do you put on this truck a year? Uh, on that one, I would like sixty thousand, seventy. Boy, you know that I'm just not sure that I would get too crazy to try to pick up a couple of tents and fuel economy and complicate this truck that much. I mean, you've already got that. The, the that heavier steerable... the weight that you... Go ahead, Joel. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you, Kevin. This is, you're going to get very complex here yeah. and the heavier you are constantly, the less benefit you're going to see out of that six by two arrangement. There'll be some, there's no doubt. Right. But when you, you're running as heavy as you are, um, without the automated features, this becomes, uh, I, I just don't know that you want to go down this path. You might, you might want to look for a high efficiency six by four axle and you'd be better it, off. It, it seems so much easier to just go buy a cutoff with two axles, the right ratio that you want, you know, so we can get you at least in the right ratio for this truck and then go spend the $10,000 you're going to put into this complicated drive axle setup and, and spend, what else have you done to this truck for fuel economy? My guess is nothing. It's, I, I haven't even put the new dash in it where it was harvest time. It's, so it's a spare so here, truck. Here's the thing. I just parked Joel, out back. Joel, give me your best guess in this operation, 60,000 miles a year. What are we going to gain with this complicated, trying to get it to a six by two? What are we going to Honestly, honestly, and I'm a six by two guy, I, I think you're a wash. I, I think it's going to be a wash. Here's what I can tell you. It took a team of six world-class engineers, and I spent a lot of time in the field with a guy to build an eight by two, and 
his was kind of a wash. I mean, there was a little bit of a gain there, but uh, yeah. by the time you look at the tire wear and stuff, and, the, and and we spent over a year engineering that truck and putting it together, and it wasn't enough of a gain where he would say, "Build me a fleet of them." So I, I you're doing this yourself. I, I personally, I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't I'll just either. Be, I'm straight up with you. I would not do this. Here's yeah. what I can tell you, Ernie. Whatever you were going to spend on this setup. Walk into Pittsburgh Power with a check for that amount, and they'll get you two more miles to the gallon. Okay, well, I, we'll cancel that idea then. <laughs> but uh, how about the or the cutoff? So you just find them at a scrapyard and just yeah, like on? Dex, get online, yeah. go to like Dex or someplace like that. Um, look for a high efficiency six by four tandem. And, um, right. th- that's probably going to get you where you need to be. Okay. And what size ratios would you think? I've got that Detroit in it. Honestly. It's, and then uh, it's how, got a uh, super uh, 10 on the highway. How fast are you going? Uh, 65 probably. I, I would put three seventies in this thing. I, I wouldn't get even too weird yeah, because, on the, 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 the rear end ratio. We're not going to go to the high ratios to run in direct because you're in the field and we don't have any startability. And right, right. Put put 370s yep. in it, run it 60 to 65, you'll be fine. Okay, well, and then I've, this here national, I've been driving with the lift steer axle. It's got 390s in it and an M11 Cummins and a... 10 speed and it seems to do pretty damn good i mean the i, sure. I get the six and a half here, here's the regular. thing here's the thing since we just freed up ten thousand dollars you put a pittsburgh power <laughs> tune on that series 60 and you will be smiling when you drive it that may be a d-deck well two. The, it's probably a three and that's what i did that's what i did with this m11 cummins and it really I mean, exactly. I didn't even drive it much before I got the tune, but my brother drove it for a couple of weeks and he said it was pretty doggy with that little motor, but put a put a good standard six by four with three seventies in this and spend your money on the performance of the engine and the other things that we can improve. Okay. Three seventies and 370 or 373. I guess that'll... Either one of those two are fairly common. And there's close enough that you can't tell the difference. Okay. Yeah, see, I've got a Kenworth I used to drive, but it weighs too damn much. It has 370s in it. And there you go. That, that, that series... What kind of suspension is under the Kenworth? What's that? What kind of suspensions under the Kenworth? The eight. Eight, eight bag, eight bag. that came on it at yeah. the 99. Gotcha. Do you have any traction problems with the eight bag? No, not really. I, I pulled yeah, it a long it, time up. Yeah, yeah. It's a non-torque reactive suspension. That may be a good suspension for you, too, if you can adapt it over. Hey, Ernie. Okay. Just, just, yeah. just to throw yeah. one, I, I think we convinced you, but just to throw one more vote, Matt just sent me a text. Matt has been playing around with, you know, homemade six by twos and all kinds of configurations. And he said, do not do the six by two in the field. 
Nope. Okay. <laughs> so there's another vote. Um, so if I just got a, if I found a 370 Kenworth cutoff with the airbags, eight bags mm-hmm. suspension on it. There you go. It'd be all ready to go then. I'd just fold it on. Yeah, and with that eight bag, you might want to consider putting a ping tank set up on it because that's not the smoothest riding suspension in the world. And you add that ping tank to it, and um, I think you'll you'll be happy and happy that's with a, it. And, and that's what, a simple thing. What, what exactly is a ping tank? Because I I pull my trailer it's house every air, now and then. And, it's an air reservoir and it, essentially what you're doing is you're making the airbag think it's taller than what it is. It works yeah. kind of like, uh, Kevin, like your, your motocross motorcycle shock absorber with the, with the reservoir on it. Yep. Essentially the same, yeah. same oh, idea. Yeah, basic, okay. Basically so, all their, so you would, you go, that, that's you go from the leveling valve is, to the ping tank and then to the, into the airbag. Thing. Yep. Yes. Okay. Well, see, that's the part I never could figure out. I'm like, well, why would putting an extra air tank on there do any good? You're, you're, you're in a sense, you're making nope. a bigger airbag. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, well, I was thinking you put it in front of that, you know, just put it in front of that. And I was like, well, that ain't going to do no, anything. No, but if you put it on the backside of it. Would that would that make it ride a lot smoother? It does. It, it yeah. will. It will. Yeah. Um, it will. It will smooth them out. There. There's it, no it, doubt. It's a noticeable. How about difference. a? How about a international ninety two hundred ninety nine with just the standard? You, you, you one can egg put that. Thing. You can put that pink tank on any air ride suspension, and it will. It'll soften it up. Now you may get into a situation where you have a suspension that has an unusually tall airbag to start with, where you might start to get some laziness in the back where it'll want to roll side to side a little bit. The Kenworth, you definitely will not have it because those are short squatty airbags and they need a ping tank. Um, the international, you should be fine too. That's not an unusually tall airbag or anything like that. So you should be just fine with that as well. Hey Ernie, we're gonna we're gonna cut you loose and move on because calls are piling up, and uh, I think both Joel and I want to get out of here sometime today. Let's uh, let's go to Wyoming. David, welcome to the program. Hi Kevin, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to call and let you know I called in a couple of weeks ago. A company I worked for just got bought out by Prime. Yeah, and I didn't want to work didn't want to work there for no other reason. I don't want to work for a mega fleet, but. I, I got my 401k transferred over, and uh, and yesterday a, a really cool job just fell in my lap. I mean, it couldn't have went better, and awesome. I really appreciate your advice. Good, good. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I never even made a phone call for the job. They came to me. I was quite shocked. Wow, that's fun. Yeah, so be home every night, eighteen hundred a week, and weekends off. You know, how wow. can you beat that? Yeah, that's uh, and they came to you. That's a pretty <laughs> sweet deal. Yeah, so I guess when one door closes, another one really does open. So. There you go. And and you know what? If one door closes and none of them open, kick one down. No, there, okay, you so. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And and. I didn't know that I could take a draw when I'm 60, and so I took uh, I took a draw and I was 
planning on taking the entire winter off, but I guess this job is so good, I guess I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, technic- technically you can do it at 59 and a half. I have no idea why the IRS does stupid shit like that, but you can, it's 59 and a half when you can start taking it. I don't know why they just don't make it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, well, and thanks again. I, I, so I was so worried about my 401k because it's quite sizable because I've worked for the same company for since I was 18. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's all, it's all taken care of. I don't have to worry about any of it. So once again, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Ohio. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. Well, that was quick. Well, yeah. I, I like it. You were right yeah. there at the I, top of the I list. I like it when, uh, yeah, and I'm way up north in Ohio. So Angie's, are you in, she always uh, asks me, are you in Texas or Ohio, Oklahoma? You, you never no, I'm call in Ohio. From, you never call from Ohio. What are you doing? I had to go and see the big guy. At Pennsylvania. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that the one we, the one we the one we like at Pittsburgh Fair. That and makes he, sense. he just I was getting ready to call you and he and he called me. So well, there you go. But uh yeah, uh doing a bit of paperwork, but you caught me at the wrong time. Um so I had a good visit at Pittsburgh Fair, but I ended up staying a day longer than I'd planned because the old Cummins they, I put a new crankshaft damper on, had to put a new radiator in, and I said, well, just have a look. Because I've had some oil leaks at the front. They're not real bad, but it started to mark its territory occasionally. So, seeing they had everything off the front, out of the front of the motor, and it's like, well, your front seal's leaking, your fuel pump, that's leaking. Um, I think that's what it was. So, it's like, well, you got all that stuff out, so fix it. But I had to spend an extra night there, but that's all good. Um, and then I came over to Ohio to get a load going so, back to Texas. So where are you so, in Ohio? Toledo. Toledo. You must have went right by my Holy Toledo. Home. Which way did you get there? Did you take the turnpike or 80? Yeah, yeah 80 the is the turnpike yeah, in cr- Ohio, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. goofy because yeah. Yeah, well, it, in Ohio you have... 80, which is the turnpike, and 76, which isn't. And then when you cross over into Pennsylvania, they switch. <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah. I, I, left, I left Pittsburgh Power. I went on, like, throwing money out the window on that PA turnpike. So I go up 79 to 80 yeah. and then across. The, yeah, there you go. Uh, and so, then across the Ohio turnpike. So, yeah, what well, you... Yeah. What used uh, to be exit 13 before they switched to the miles for the exits uh, is right where I grew up. There you have it. So you did grow up? Well, sort of. <laughs> not completely. <laughs> hey, I... I, uh, I John Cougar said it best. Growing up leads to growing old, and growing old leads to dying, and dying to me don't sound like all that much fun. There you go. There you go. Goes around, comes around. That's right. So, so but the a couple of cab overs that had decent sized sleepers, the Freightliner Argosy, they did have the option for that big condo. But there's a few of them in New Zealand, but um, a lot of people they buy that Freightliner Argosy 
a lot of the time it's only got like a small bunk on it, so it's not real big. But you get that one that's got the equivalent of the condo on it, it's huge. How do you jack up the cab on that thing? I'm guessing you push a button. Huh. Yeah, electric. Man, that's a that's a big uh, cab. Yeah, well, well, maybe up. maybe it's just maybe it's just got the old fashioned put the handle and crank the maybe. hydraulic and just jack it up. But, yeah, yeah. That's so, a- and the the Kenworth the Kenworth K two hundred, which you don't get here in this country, unfortunately. Um, it has a two point eight meter cab, which is Nine foot, yeah, four. That's big. So that's a big, big. sleeper, that's and a, it's a, and it's a flat floor. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, huh. Yeah. Interesting. They call they call that they call that the fat cab. The fat yeah. cab. So I don't know if it's built. You know, I don't know if they built it for the fat guys or whether the oh this is fat. <laughs> <laughs> that that's fat with a ph. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. On phonics. So, what size tire did you put on the front of your Volvo, Joel? 385. Uh, three, 365.70. Okay. Because that 385 that John talked about that he's seen on that truck over there, they run mm-hmm. that in New Zealand as well. But another yep. size I've seen on the European trucks. Which would work for me height wise is a three fifty five fifty. Right. Yeah, right. Size that's, that's, is a two two fifty five seventy. That would be ideal for gotcha. me. Yep. Yeah. But yep. you, you you know, you'd pull up you'd have to have your own supply of tires because <laughs> Oh yeah, we got tires for it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've never seen that one. <laughs> yeah, not that one we don't. That's right. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's that's all I got today. Just all a right. short call. So that, that's have a great have a great weekend. You too. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Hey, we're going to take two more calls, and we're going to be done. And I also want to let Keith know we have an awesome team here. They already went and grabbed that oil sample history for me. So Keith, when you call back, we'll already have that uh, sample history sitting here. Let's go to South Dakota. Jamie, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? What's on your mind today? I uh, got a question for I got a question for Joel. I'm a little nervous about uh, my uh, M driver. I got the HD, the 14, the uh, crawler gears. And uh-huh. the other day, I I had it down in the on Creeper Two, and I was a little nervous about uh, about throwing the earth off its axis, uh, getting too much grip there. <laughs> And uh, I don't know if that was a thing, if there was a warning label you guys got going. Uh, you, you, you made the earth yeah, wobble what, uh, a little bit. Uh, throwing the seasons off. Yeah. So was this 14 in one of your six by twos? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll tell All you right. what, that Let's thing is, uh, it's a little crazy. Um, you'll drag a trailer with that thing, even with the brown, Oh yeah. You know, you'll just. Yeah, you know, I, kinds of. I was gonna do a a short video uh, when I get an old trailer and it's got some junk tires, and my brother gets one where I was gonna put some weight on it. 
put it on a on pavement and just put the truck in the crawler gear and just drag the damn thing around <laughs> just to see it. So, yeah. it it'll do it. Yep. Yeah, just yep. to see it. Hey, hey yeah, Jamie, I mean, these things gotta, are pretty I, crazy. I got to warn you. Be careful who you say this around. They're going to blame climate change on you. <laughs> I can't truckers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, and the same thing with the, you, you were talking to a guy earlier about um, digging a hole with a six by two in the dirt. That is a that's a real thing. You get these things off road mm-hmm. a little bit, and uh, they sink quickly. It's challenging. All that weight up front in that steer axle. Yeah, they'll uh, they'll dip pretty quick. It's challenging. So just FYI. Yep. Yeah, I do some of those uh, local deliveries. We do um, we haul food troughs in those tanks and deliver them to beekeepers. Uh, they feed them before they move them. So we'll get out in the dirt every once in a while. James has been known to sink one or two. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it will. It will definitely happen. <laughs> so, um, Jamie runs a lot of the same specs that I run, just over on the Mac side for the people that that are not aware. And uh, he has a Mac version of the the TC engine and and uh, you know the Mac version of the iTorque Logic and whatnot with a 14 speed. How are your How's your truck been holding up fuel? fuel efficiency wise as the weather's starting to cool down well you know you're seeing a little difference um definitely tell winter fuel and that cold we had a cold snap there in south dakota and that that sunk me about a mile per gallon right out of the gate mm-hmm. um but yeah you know, to speak on too on your steer axle issue you were talking about with your 14.6 that is that's legit um because they wanted to do a 13.2 like you said most of the guys want to do that 13.2 so I end up having to run my trailer back a little further than I'd like to. Uh, and definitely right. the torque yeah. rise with that uh, VOAS suspension. So 100% accurate on those two things. If a guy can order the uh, stiffer front axle and the, you know what I mean, the the heavier duty suspension, I highly recommend that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. definitely want to get into, good. into the Primax. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get around pretty good with the, uh, like I said, I've been running it for, I don't know, is that four years now? So Oh good. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we, we uh I remember awesome, taking awesome, a, taking awesome. taking an awful lot of heat over that concept back uh fifteen years ago, people saying trucks are gonna be stuck everywhere all winter long. Actually it you know, I run a lot of Canada and I run a lot of uh west. We do uh this thing does actually better in the snow. That's what everybody Not so says much getting when, going, when they're designed right, yeah. But once you're going, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once you get going, I'm usually in the left lane just uh chugging by people in blizzards, you know. Yeah. We uh, we even had so I actually prefer it. Yeah, we even had plenty of people with the homemade six by twos that said, you know, they did fantastic in the wintertime. Speaking of that, I have it's an different. axle if anybody's looking to make one. Now there um, you go. <laughs> and I took off. I have a Meritor with a 247. I can't get rid of, you know? <laughs> wow. That's an interesting axle, too. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we switched it over to the Dana version and uh, haven't looked back. So uh, I got that just kind of sitting in the shop, if anyone's interested. Good. So, so, so Jamie, and, and you're, you run a lot of tag axles in the past as well. And so, you know, a lot of people are skeptical that the forward lift makes much of a difference over a tag axle that does not lift. And your your experience has been that the, the liftable is much better? 
Uh, considerably better. Considerably yeah. better. I would, uh, I would uh, definitely not go the other way if you have an option to uh, go with the liftable. That's what I would do, 100%. And, you know, it's only 1% better in fuel efficiency, but just the weight bias that you speak of, you know, that that's huge, um, being able to kind of uh, get a lot more grip and, and uh, that kind of stuff. It's just huge difference. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, I, I, uh, I hate to do this, but uh, – Diesel has just told yep. me that the show is over because he looks like he really needs it. <laughs> <laughs> His eyeballs are floating. He, he's, he's, you know, he normally just lays there nice and patiently and waits for me to the end of the show, but uh, he's starting to get a little vocal. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thanks for the call. I think we're going to wrap hey, Jim, this thanks. up. Uh, Joel, as always, thanks. Great show today, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Sounds good. I right. appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks. Take care. We will see you next week. We'll be here on Monday. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. <laughs>